Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit PlanetBcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. Hi and welcome to Serious Issues, a weekly comic book podcast hosted by your good friends Siobhan Coombs and Andrew Levins, coming to you live every single week from King's Comics in Sydney, our proud parents. Yep. <laughs> That's all I have to add. Good intro. <laughs> Ten seconds. Nailed it. Uh, my name's Levins. Her name's Siobhan. Hello. Every single week we read every single comic, oh, almost. Uh, we, mostly. Yeah, mo- we read mostly every single comic that came out last <laughs> week. Uh, and we let you know which are the ones that you should be reading too. We kick things off every single week by uh, reviewing all the new number ones that came out. Before we get to there, should want anything notable happen at Kings over on the weekend? Yeah. So funny. You should mention that. Um, we had Wonder Woman Day over the weekend. Happy Wonder Woman Day, everyone. Delayed Wonder Woman Day. It was really fun. We had um, some amazing cosplayers come down. There's a really lovely, um, there's a big drag community in Sydney and there's a group of drag queens um, who always come to Mardi Gras as Wonder Woman. Yep, I, uh, I, I, I DJed in the Mardi Gras parade this year and they were right behind me. So fun. They're such a like such an amazing crew. Um, and they a whole bunch of them came through, which was really, really good fun. And we had like Tiara making DC Comics um, made a big deal of Wonder Woman Day this year and they sent around free um, free Wonder Woman comics and free tiaras and cuffs for everyone to make. Um, and, you know, it was it was extremely sweet. We had lots and lots of little girls coming in to celebrate Wonder Woman, and that was really nice. I should have swung by here because I had to make my daughter Matilda her own tiara using uh, paper, staples, and crayons. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> I was impressed, to be honest. <laughs> which, uh, which superhero would you like to see have their own uh, pu- publicly recognized holiday? Not a holiday, day. Um, Blue Beetle. No, no, no. <laughs> this is the first thing that popped into my head. Um, yeah, Blue Beetle Day. Okay. We'll Ted Cord Day. <laughs> R.I.P. Ted Cord. He's back, isn't he? I don't know. I don't care. He's not back until he gets a day and end after yeah. it. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll think of a good, a good okay. answer to that at the Thanks. end of the episode. Excellent. So, you know, that's a bit of a sizzle. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, all of the number ones that came out last week, we are going to review right now in our segment, which is called First Things First. And uh, speaking of Wonder Woman herself, I thought it'd be great if we uh, reviewed the Teen Titans annual. Just kidding. <laughs> We're going to review Wonder Woman number one, The an- sorry, Wonder Woman's first annual since Rebirth uh, happened. This uh, had a, a main story written and drawn by the uh, recent creative team on Wonder Woman, which is Greg Rucker and Nicholas Scott. 
Uh, and then uh, we also had like, I mean, this is all about the art for me. Um, mm. Some of the stories were, I mean, they're all quite short, so mm-hmm. there's not that much you can do with eight-ish pages of story, but there was some incredible art talent uh, on display. Um, yep. We had uh, stories by um, Vita Ayala with Claire Rowe on art. And holy moly, I love Claire Rowe. I don't know who she is. I want to see more of her art. Yep, there was absolutely. something so like Mignola, um, Eduardo Riso mm-hmm. about her quality of art. And it was so great going from like, you know, the beautiful, beautiful facial expressions that you get from a Nicholas Scott. And a much like a much sort of uh, younger version of Wonder Woman to a sort of more mature, um, more muscular version, which was really good. There were some good muscly versions of of, uh, of Wonder Woman in this issue. I like a um, big Wonder Woman. There was a, a story by Mike, Michael Morisi um, and Stephanie Hans, another creative team who I'm not aware of before, but um, it looked like art like the art similar to like Rod Reyes, I guess, mm. watercolor kind of component. Um, and then uh, last, the last story was uh, was written by uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lanzik with art by David LaFuente. Um, and it was about kaiju. Wonder Woman timing, teaming up with a kaiju monster. Um, and uh, I, I love David LaFuente's art and it was cool to see him do Wonder Woman. And I would love to see a regular Wonder Woman kaiju uh, ongoing. Yeah. <laughs> Even just a mini. <laughs> that would be heaps cool. Yeah. Like I like this. Um, this was a really good example of, a, of an annual where it sort of um, explored a whole variety of facets of Wonder Woman's character um, really pulled on a whole bunch of cool elements of the DC universe it, you know showed off the talents of a really um, amazing variety of artists I think this was a really solid issue the Rucker and uh, Nicholas Scott story at the start is about the first meeting between Batman Superman and Wonder Woman and I thought it was really sweet it ties in to uh, the year one story mm-hmm. that, that they did over in the Wonder Woman ongoing um, and if you haven't read that, it's also just a cute little story featuring DC's biggest characters. Absolutely. Um, I think this and is... also, it's kind of a nice... Sorry, but it's a nice little farewell for Nicola from the, the, the character for the moment. Yeah. I mean, we hope that Black Magic continues for many, many years. And yes. And that's coming back soon, I guess. Apparently. Soonish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think it actually is. I think it's actually the next couple of weeks. That's exciting. Mid-June, I believe. Very exciting. Mm. Uh, Black Magic Day. When will that happen? Absolutely. We'll be celebrating it, I'm sure. Uh, we are actually, we're having Nicola Scott in um, Queens of Kings is this Sunday and we're having Nicola in, uh, and it's pretty exciting. It's the first birthday of Queens of Kings. We've been around for a year now, which is really exciting. It's awesome. And Nicola's coming in to talk about Secret Six. So there'll be lots of hilarious butts conversation, I'm sure, because yeah, that's pretty much she, all we ever ask Nicola about. We're like, so you draw butt. a lot of butts. Tell us more about that. <laughs> but uh, she had some, she was actually at the uh, the premiere of the Wonder Woman um yeah, movie uh, in Hollywood. And she got to meet Linda Carter, which is like a life, a life goal for her. Yeah, there's so. some pretty amazing photos of her um, at the premiere on her Instagram. If you want to go check it out. Uh, but yeah, this Wonder Woman annual, I think, is uh, just you know, an obvious get if you're either a fan of the character, fan of the current series, or if you're not, or you know someone who is not necessarily a fan of the comics, but has just seen the movie and would like to mm-hmm. read something featuring the character. Uh, sometimes it can be quite confusing to come back from a new movie and be like, okay, where can I see this character? And, you know, oh, I'll, I'll, borrow, I'll buy issue 23 of this yeah. current run. I hope that people understand what's going on. This is like a great entry level to for... for um, for new Wonder Woman readers. Absolutely. And it's a great time for new Wonder Woman readers as well. There's plenty of like good standalone Wonder Woman graphic novels and the first um, the first trade of the 
rocker Nicola Scott Wonder Woman series is out now. So Why is that only just out now? Because DC are really bad at getting trades out punctually. So no, they, should, they should get, <laughs> they've got so many flashes in the books. Maybe they should hire some of the flashes over at the warehouse, if you ask me. That's good. That's good. good I comic approve book that stuff. message. Um, uh, speaking of Wonder Woman again, uh, she appeared in another annual this week, and that is the Trinity um, annual, which is the Trinity of Batman, Wonder Woman, and Superman. Um, this uh, is uh, kind of a, kind of the, the creative team on this book ongoing has jumped around quite a lot mm. since it launched. But uh, this one was written by Rob Williams, who is uh, writing From Suicide Chew? Squad. No, no, Rob Williams, right. Suicide Squad, and also the um, uh, Unfollow over right. at Vertigo. Okay. Oh, right, okay. Um, and uh, art by Gillian March. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Gillian March. Gillian March. Um, he draws. We, Hilarious sexy ladies. Yes, um, and there are some uh, hilarious sexy vampire ladies in this one. Great. Um, this is about, apparently there was an evil trinity that was started to go uh, in the trinity book. So it was Lex Luthor, um, Rachel Ghoul, and um, I don't know who this sexy vampire lady is. Who's that? Uh, I don't know who no it is. No clue. No idea. Um, Cersei. Oh. Yeah. It doesn't really look like Cersei. Um, gear March, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> massive, massive cans. Yeah. <laughs> she looks like Mr. Sinister. She looks like Mr. With Sinister with massive tits. <laughs> Amazing. Iron tits at that. Um, but uh, yeah, um, so this, this this annual was actually pretty fun because uh, it involved them. Uh, I don't know if they, like, I guess they summoned Etrigan. And oh, so cool. This, this book uh, dealt with like uh, Jason Blood and Etrigan get separated. And so they're both finally free and they're very excited. Um, and um, Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman come to save the day after all these um, like demons attack the world, and um, Bat- and they, the three of them convince Jason Blood to uh, rejoin with after Etrigan again. Oh, poor old Jason Blood. Yeah, it's a cute story. Um, I, th- I thought it was fun. Mm. Like, you know, it was, it was like good annual fodder. But it looks like it's setting up something for um, Red Hood and the Outlaws because um, they feature at the very end Bizarro, Red Hood, and Artemis. They are kind of like. The D-list Trinity, right? Yeah. <laughs> so now there's a Trinity of Trinities. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord, DC. Um, so that was the second of uh, two DC annuals that came out this week. And I did not read the third. Oh, you didn't? Oh, I haven't really been reading this crossover or either of the series besides Teen Titans. So this is the uh, Teen Titans special, number one, uh, is the coming together of Teen Titans, Titans, and Deathstroke as part of the Lazarus contract. This is the finale yeah, I read it. Um, I mean, like, this this event is basically just rehashing the events from um, the Judas contract as well as, like, other sort of stuff that happened in the George Perez, Marv Wolfman, um, Teen Titans run. So when, you know, Deathstroke's son, Grant, died in battle with the Titans, with the Teen Titans, um, not because of them, because of... Reasons, life reasons. Reasons is a new DC villain. <laughs> reasons killed him. Um, and Deathstroke wants to go back in time to fix that. Um, and it just like this this issue tried to wrap everything up, but it had a lot of characters to balance. It also felt really rushed. Like this was an event that happened over three or four issues, and it just didn't like didn't really have time for the story to develop at all. And it was also just pretty much rehashing exactly what happened in the Judas contract. So I didn't heaps like this. I don't think it was an amazing version of any of these characters. Like 
Serious issues, uh, drinking game plays. Uh, yeah, she just sorry. said heaps. Do your first sorry. shot. Sorry. <laughs> um, Never apologize. Give it up. <laughs> Let's get these listeners drunk. <laughs> like, yeah, really, a really poorly written version of um, Damien Wayne. Like, you know, when he's written and you're just kind of like, ah, you're just kind of a little dick. Like, yeah, yeah. you're not actually endearing at all. This, he was just kind of a little dick. Um, and Dick was really unremarkable. So. Not many, not many well-written dicks in this. No, um, yeah, this is uh, not appealing to me in any way, shape, or form. And I, I, it's baffling to me that it was written by Benjamin Percy, Percy Dan Abnett. Those two I can see working together, but Christopher Priest in the mix, mm. and apparently, like, I mean, do you, do you still read his Deathstroke? Run? No, I got mad confused by it, and so I stopped reading it. But people say it's amazing, people and I should it. probably read it. And Maybe trade. I might pick up the. It trades got nominated and... for like an Eisner or something. Yeah, which is insane. Yeah, yeah I need to actually. Priest is a great writer. I just think, yeah, mm. I've, I've never had a connection to Deathstroke in the past, so I never picked it up. Um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff like, like there's there's big things that happen in this that are like going to affect the Teen Titans and the Titans. Like I'm like, Wally West, the original Wally West, not new Wally West, um, now has a pacemaker, and so he can't be the Flash anymore. What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because of something that someone, because of something that Damian Wayne did to a past version of Wally, he like stopped his heart momentarily, and now Wally in the future has a pacemaker. Hilarious, and Damian Wayne <laughs> How also. How did Damian Wayne stop up the Flash's heart with some sweet ninja thing? He like smacks him in the heart and is like, "It's okay, I just killed him for like five minutes, guys. It's all fine." And everyone's like, "Damian, you little dick!" Um, and then he fires Kid Flash also from the Teen Titans. Robin does. Sorry, Damian yeah. Wayne does. Weird. It's just it's not very good. None of this was. None of that was very good. I was sad. I think three comics crossing over is one comic too many. I like the two comic crossover. Mm. Three comic is just gets a little bit too convoluted. And uh, I reckon this might lead to us dropping Teen Titans. Yeah, if, I haven't been really loving Teen Titans this, yeah, yeah. so far. So That's we'll see. Oh, well. So those are the DC number ones this week. It was a, it was a fifth week of the month. Um, they actually shipped only one of their regular ongoing books this week, and it didn't actually ship to DC. Sorry, it didn't ship to uh, Sydney. Thanks, so, Diamond. So there's no uh, review of Flash number 24 But we assume it was great. <laughs> um, so over to Marvel now for uh, yet another number one. I was going to work out how many weeks it has been since, since a, a, a number one from Marvel hasn't come out. Like, uh. I think we're going on like... Close to six months now. Easily. Easily. This week, week we got Cable, number one, written by James Robinson with art by Carlos Pacheco. Um, and, uh, well, you know, James Robinson, this is his second uh, number one f- at, for Marvel in, uh, in two months. Uh, the previous one was the Nick Fury comic that we are divided on. <laughs> uh, I wonder Continue how, to be divided. I wonder how we're going to stand after reading this one. Siobhan. Um. I mean, I quite liked this. Yeah, I, I was fine with it. Okay, cool. <laughs> like, it was fine. I think that probably my favorite bit of the whole comic is the, like, the one-page um, panel where <laughs> Cable Cable has arrived in the past in, like, the Wild West, and he doesn't try to, like... He doesn't put a cowboy hat on. He doesn't, like, yeah, he doesn't put a cowboy hat head. on. He just shows up like Cable in, like, his blue suit with his Pouched little up to the max. Mad giant guns. I think Cable's such a fun, silly character. <laughs> um, he is one of those characters that I have very little. He's like Deathstroke to me. Mm. To say he's like an old guy, and um, I don't know what his power set or history is. I know that he's like the 
Is he the son of, of Jean Grey and Cyclops? Yep. Somehow. Yeah. Um, and he travels in time and he has like vague One telekinesis eye. skills. <laughs> and he had a tattoo that he could talk to what? in Uncanny Avengers. Did you read that? You read that series. How did you not talk? He has like a, a girl on his arm that he could talk to. I don't remember that at all. So, yeah, I mean, the longest stint I've done on with Cable is on the Uncanny Avengers run that Jerry Duggan just finished. Right, okay. Um, and uh, I enjoyed him in that. I thought he was a fun character. So, I, w- I will be reading this. I mean, the f- not much happens in this first issue by the way of, like, kind of setting up the story. It's just uh, uh, Cable jumping from the Wild West to... Uh, like feudal and- Japan. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and fighting some, nin- uh, some, like, samurai who have, like... Digital weapons, <laughs> yeah, crazy, crazy digi swords. Um, and then the, the 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 people shooting him in the in the Wild West have crazy digi guns too. So good. Um, who is yeah, this cool digi villain? Effect. Yeah. So who? Yeah, it, it's got to be um, someone from 4chan, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, it, it, scariest villain of all. Not not that much happens in this issue. Um, so if you are looking for something to really like, you know, sell you on the character, you won't find it here. But it is intriguing enough for me to read another issue. Absolutely, and it has enough in there for fans of Cable. And I, I enjoy Pacheco's art a lot too. Yeah, it's good fun. Cool. Uh, guess what, Mar- Marvel? You did another one, number one. <laughs> <laughs> you did it again, and you will continue to do it forever and ever because you think this is a good strategy for some reason. So we've got a couple of Secret Empire books uh, coming up um, later in the episode when we review all the Marvel stuff for the week, but we got one Secret Empire tie-in number one. I think this is a one-shot. Jim, is this a one-shot or is this a, um, an ongoing, the Secret Empire Uprising? What is it? Uh, it's a one-shot. Oh, thank so God. Secret Empire one um, Uprising is uh, we saw at the end of Secret Empire number two that um, all the members of like the Champions and Ironheart and Falcon, uh, the the new Falcon, mm-hmm. join up with Black Widow uh, to learn the ways of the Red Room so that they can take down Captain America. And so this was like an adventure of them infiltrating Hydra. Uh, Through by a youth posing, choir. Yeah, by <laughs> pretending to be a youth choir. And apparently, if anyone was wondering, um, Amadeus Cho... The best voice out of all of the young Marvel characters. Yeah, apparently Amadeus Cho, voice of an angel. Even though Wasp, the most confident, may be too screechy for Hydra for Hydra ears. Possibly. Uh, this was, this was a- so weird. This was <laughs> such a weird book. I don't know why this existed. I don't think it was especially good. No offense to anyone on the creative team. The art was the art was really nice. Um, and you know, there's only so much that you can do within the confines of this bizarre story. But so, what's weird about it is it sets up. That Amadeus Cho has gone like you know he's he's infiltrated this Hydra children's choir, and we don't actually see him you know use his singing skills or to actually mm. do anything of of, of worth, um, and it's just him in there. All the other champions have to get out, um, and at the end it's him uh, about to perform for Viper mm. uh, from Hydra, and uh, he he starts chanting Hail, Hail Hydra, Hail Hydra, and then it says to be continued in Secret Empire. Now, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I reckon 75% of people that are reading Secret Empire aren't going to be reading this Uprising book. No, absolutely. Um, so, does that mean at some point throughout the nine or whatever issues of Secret Empire, we're just going to see Amadeus Cho <laughs> in a choir singing. singing to Viper? And people are just be like, what the fuck is going on? I mean, on I guess book? this is just what's happening. I hope so. Also, like, there were was, was so many things in this book that I didn't really understand. Like, they, they make a... Um, because some of the people who are also in the choir recognize Amadeus Cho for reasons um, that I'm not 100% They're, sure Because they were in the Champion series, apparently. Okay, yeah. there you go. That's why. Because I, I stopped reading that. Um, but so they make him, like, facial... Like, a facial 
dis- disguise thing, but it only works for 30 seconds at a time, which just seems really insane to me. Because Riri Williams was working with what she had in... I, like, I understand, but in what universe is that better? Just give him a Sharpie. His face is just going to change every 30 seconds. Just draw him a moustache on. This seems fine. (laughs) Really a bizarre, weird, bizarre comic. Yeah, very, very strange. Don't read this, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's not worth it. It's not worth time, guys. We'll be reviewing issue three of uh, Secret Empire later in the episode. But first, we've got some more number ones to get through, and this includes... Uh, Packless, number one, uh, by Dustin Weaver uh, through Image. This is another little anthology series that mm-hmm. he's, uh, he's that, 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 that Image are, are releasing, featuring. Uh, I guess he's you know quite a quite a name in old superhero books. Dustin Weaver. Yeah, probably most beloved for the Shield series that he did with Jonathan Hickman. That yep. Has never finished and yeah. will never finish. So I this, just believe <laughs> this is what he's been doing in the interim while he waits for Hickman to send him those final two issues of scripts. Uh, he's been writing his own, uh, writing and drawing his own stories. Um, and and the, the, I mean, the coolest thing about this, I love when someone like you know really owns one of their books, is that he he kind of gives a little story into when and where he 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 was when he was writing each mm. of these stories. And I love like you know finding out that like he wrote the first four pages of one of the stories in here at airports and on a plane. Mm. Like uh, that's really crazy to me that you you know these guys are writing, are drawing. I mean, of course they are, but like you know, comic book art on a plane or in an airport. That's weird to me. Absolutely. So, Packless uh, is a a collection of three kind of strange uh, sci-fi-ish stories. Mm -hmm. Um, One of them is about... It's really cool, isn't it, actually? It's like a semi-body horror book about a a boy who... A man, sorry, who realizes that he... uh, he, Well, he's, he's convinced that he's a cockroach and Mm. everyone else is a cockroach too, even though he can see everybody as humans. And... It's just like, like the really bizarre thing, that, and he he just sticks with it, and yeah, and it's kind of it's presented in like you know jump like different different periods in this guy's life, and it's very like because um in the little back matter, just Dustin Weaver says like this was a dream that I had as a teenager, and this is the first time that I've been able to like get it out of my head, um. And it reads like that. Like, it reads like a really horrible dream where you're like, everyone's a cockroach and no one understands. And it's really, like, unsettling. And ends, the ending is so strange and yeah. cool. I loved the ending. Um, I, won't, I won't wreck it. Um, but, uh, yeah, this is awesome. Siobhan probably might wreck it. Don't wreck it. No, I I'm didn't. Not, your catchphrase says, I'm going to wreck it. Oh. Wreck it, Siobhan. <laughs> um, uh, then we get, a uh, like, a two-pager. Um which I think is going to be the kind of ongoing uh, comic, which is called Sagittarius A. I think or, so. Or Sar- like Sag A or Saga. Ah. Luckily, there's no other image books called Saga. Phew. Especially not one that we're going to review later in the episode. Um, and that one is like one about a, a, a son basically joining some like big uh, space force so he can go and save his apparently dead father. And then finally, we get another space book um, called Amnia Cycle. Um, and it's about um, a kind of a, a soldier going rogue uh, mm-hmm. because of someone appearing and her trying to save this person that she's never met before, but it feels a connection to. Um, all really, really cool, different art styles for each of the the stories within this book, which I always appreciate when an anthology does that. Absolutely. Um, some great little uh, pinups at the at the back by DJ Bryant and most excitingly Chris Sumney does his take on the uh, boy, the man who thinks he's a cockroach mm-hmm. uh, just in one page, which I really loved. Uh and yeah, really lovely colours too. 
um, on this, like lots of purples in the uh, in the main story. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, really enjoyable. I'm really like like I really like this format that we're getting a bit of at the moment of like an anthology by one person. I think that's really cool and fun and interesting. I'm I'm heaps into it. Definitely, it's almost like a, you know like a really developed sketchbook or something. Yeah. You know? uh, actually, I should say that my, my one of my favorite things about this was that the uh, the as soon as you turn the page on the contents page, there's a comic of the of the characters within this comic picking up this issue of Packless and seeing themselves in the comic. Mm. And I, I was hooked immediately from that. I was like, oh man, this is going to be a cool book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So this, uh, this is definitely something I'm going to be on board for. Agreed. Um, even though like, I feel like if he were to launch either any of these series on their own, I wouldn't be as interested. I think it's, it, it there, there, this, this collection is all the more stronger because it is a collection. Yeah, absolutely. And getting just a little, a little piece of each story is, um, it's really good fun. I Definitely. really like that format. Um, I read another annual this week, um, and that is the Made in Marvel and Power Rangers 2017 annual. Uh, because I really enjoyed the 2016 annual. If you go hmm. back and listen that far, there was like it was like, it took a kind of comedy approach to Power Rangers, and we had stories from like James Kachalka and other cool cartoonists. Um, there's some great creators working on this one. Uh, writers like I mean, he already does the ongoing series, but Kyle Higgins does a story. Tom Taylor does a story, um, and then we get art. By like people like Dan Mora and Fraser Irving. Whoa! Uh, yeah. Now I'm sad I didn't pick this up. Uh, don't be. So, hey, all right. <laughs> I didn't really connect with any of the stories in this. This takes a very kind of serious Power Rangers lore. A lot of them, uh, like okay, I, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, Carl Higgins one in particular, kind of just furthers the story that he's telling, or maybe adds. I don't know what it was. I, I didn't really. It was all about the Green Ranger. Um, I loved the art in um, the Trini's vacation uh, story that um, Dan Mora did with Tom Taylor uh, and um, the Fraser Irving stuff I thought the art was stellar it's like almost like Spooky. dark crystal kind of yeah. uh, uh, artwork but the story was about characters that I don't, I don't even recognize and I just didn't connect with the story at all um, there is one funny book at the end where um, Goldar uh, has to pretend he's a regular high school student and um, he and some other character uh, on Rita Repulsa's command has to have to go and try and take down the Power Rangers uh, from from within their school. And they get bored and they end up going to a fair. And then um, one of Rita Repulsa's monsters attacks the fair, and they realise that if um, it gets if if they don't take him down, he'll tell Rita Repulsa that they were there just enjoying themselves instead of doing the mission. So they help the Power Rangers and take down this. <laughs> uh, it was like a goofy, fun. fun little story. Um, I enjoyed this. Mm. That, that, I enjoyed that part of it. I didn't really enjoy the rest of it. Right. Power Rangers, a, a weird thing that I still keep giving a chance to, even though nothing has really won me over so far. Um, Power of nostalgia, everyone. Um, another thing that I don't really get into, a lot of other people seem to like, is the Funko universe. Mm. Those cute little dolls with the funny eyes and the big they heads. they got big heads and the bad paint jobs. And, <laughs> and they currently take up more room on shelves at most comic book shops and video game shops all over the world. Mm. Um, and uh, I remember... They're a scourge on our times, everyone. <laughs> I remember at the start of uh, our podcast when we, when we first, in one of the first issue episodes we did, uh, you said that your nightmare would be when all the comics would be about the Funkos instead of the characters <laughs> they were based on. And that's what's happened, everybody. Yay! We've finally gotten to this point. The last month has seen um, a series of Funko Universe issues uh, based off of IDW properties come out. Um, and so there was like Strawberry Shortcake, there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, there was Ghostbusters. And we avoided those. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave one of them a chance and I just didn't even think it was worth talking about. But uh, this one is Judge Dredd Funko Universe. 
Uh, Shockingly, I did not give this a chance, guys. And it was written by John Lehman from from Chew. Oh, and, cool. And uh, Eleanor and the Egret. Um, and I uh, had art from uh, Francesco Gaston and Troy Little. Um, and uh, I don't know, like, if at any point, you know, if you are a parent, then you're like, I've got to get my young child into Judge Dredd. <laughs> This is a fun little all ages like comic featuring you know the world of judges who kill everybody. Mm, that sounds nice. Uh, and there was like a really cutesified version of uh, of Judge Death and Judge Mortis and Judge Man, Fear. If my kid isn't mature enough to just handle regular Judge Dread by age five, I'm going to be furious. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't really know who this was for. Um, I guess uh, fans of John Layman's Chew stuff um, will enjoy it. Um, fans but, uh, of Pop vinyls, yeah, but, but I mean, I haven't even seen a Judge Dread pop vinyl before. They've they've existed. They've existed. Literally, like pretty much any character you could name. It's that new. You what's that? Like, what's that weird? Like the 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 porn law. If oh it yeah, exists, yeah. There's porn about it. If <laughs> yeah. it exists, there's a Funko Pop of it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, and uh, we look forward to more comics based on based on everything, but with a fatter head coming out <laughs> soon. Um, yeah, I can't an- wait. Uh, another all ages book I read this week was Animal Jam number one from Dynamite. Uh, I also I poured through the um, the Animal Jam free comic book day issue and was like, oh, I don't really get this. I'll, I'll wait for the proper series to start. Uh, so this is based off of, and I didn't realize this until I'd finished this god awful book. <laughs> it's based off of like a online game that kids can there play. There you go. Because I was like, this definitely reads like it. Like this wasn't this wasn't created as a comic book. You know what I mean? Like this this yeah. felt like some kind of tie. This is to like me. M- the children of millennials, Neopets. <laughs> Do you remember Neopets? Yeah, my my sister met her long-term boyfriend on Neopets. Really? A fact which she hates me telling people and, ne- and yeah. hates me bringing up all the time. But it's so funny. Anyway, um, uh, he's a good guy. She should get in touch with me if she wants to get back at you somehow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Animal Jam is... Uh, I don't even know what the... F- I don't, this is a bunch of yeah. animals who get into all kinds of adventures. If you like mischief... No, this sucks. No, <laughs> like, no. like, honestly, and the worst thing about this was it has a three ninety nine cover tag for two eight-page stories. Yeah, plus stickers, though. There are stickers, and also you get, like, a code to get Animal Jam gem rewards in the online game thing. But, like, I, I just I pity the kids that want this and the parents that have to buy it for them because this is not a good value deal. The story sucked. The art sucked. The, like nothing is good about this package. And There's there are, much better all ages comics out there. Like this makes like give give Judge Dread Funko Universe an Eisner compared to uh, <laughs> compared to Animal Jam. Um, I don't know why. I just I, for some reason I thought, oh, this will be fun. It looks like kind of like Kung it Fu Panda or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely has that vibe, but then it doesn't. There's also have there's an Australian character who uh, he gets beaten up because he loves plants. Yeah, he's also a it's so weird, like a koala like swinging through the jungle on vines. Like that's not. Hey man, he's just jamming. <laughs> With the animals. <laughs> yeah. I read half of this and then I was like, oh, no. I, yeah. I can't be bothered. Don't, don't read. I, I doubt there's any cross-section of uh, our listeners that probably listen, read this. Yeah. But maybe they will, they'll look at it now because we complain about it so much. So, look what we've done to the world. <laughs> um, I finally uh, read some of Joe Gollum, Occult Detective, um, mm-hmm. by Mike Mignola, Christopher Golden, Patrick Reynolds, and Dave Stewart through Dark Horse, tying into the Hellboy universe. Um so on the front it says number one of five, and I was like, "Oh, cool! I guess this will be a fun little entry level into whatever character this is that I've mm. never heard of before." Um, and then you open it up, and it says part one of three, number six in a series. Mm, so what yes. the fuck does that mean? I don't really understand. <laughs> it's it's, 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 the, first it's okay. the sixth miniseries. Is yeah, that what this okay, is? Yeah, but is it one of five or one of three? One of three, then five. <laughs> <laughs> 
Jim, Jim's trying to help us out here. This was a. Uh, yeah, this is no. This was um like the art was cool. I guess I just I just I, I I hate reading a book where it does no has no effort in in kind of uh, catching you up with what's happened to this character before. Yeah, and I don't know. Don't put number one on it if you, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That is that is a that is a current problem in comics where they'll put number one on something and it has. There's no effort to try and make you feel like you understand. Well, I mean. Marvel are the, the 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 worst at putting number one on everything, but they are. In, on the other hand, they are also very good at having like a nice one pager that like catches you up on everything, and then even have the characters say like, "Hey, aren't you this way because of this thing?" Like, mm. you know, yeah, yeah. Jim, Jim has something to say, everybody. I just think when it comes to the Mignola verse, Mike Mignola just doesn't care about that sort of thing. He's got his readers, and everybody knows what's happening in that little universe, and he just slaps another number one on it, and off you go. Yeah. In case you couldn't hear that, guys, it's because Mignola does not give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> he does not care about new readers. He knows exactly the stories that he wants to tell, which I think, like, that's that's fair, I suppose. You know who else is really terrible at it is Xenoscope. I've tried. I have tried to pick up Xenoscope number ones recently. And, well, because of this stupid podcast, Jim. <laughs> and and they, they go, like, they have a special stamp on it, on the issue number one, like, great like time to jump in for new readers and then it's like here's this insane version of cinderella who's a serial killer and she kills all these characters that you don't know and then that's the end and she's got blood on her boobs for the entire episode yeah she's got her tits out for some reason it's ludicrous <laughs> it's the only bad thing that xenoscope do yeah look honestly the rest <laughs> of it is gold that is first things first for this week uh, all of last week's number ones did you read any of them Come and tell us about it. We've got many ways that you can keep in touch with both myself and siobhan uh easiest way to do that I think, is our, our Facebook group, which is mm-hmm. facebook.com slash group slash Serious Issues Podcast. Or you can find our page and give it a like. It's facebook.com slash Serious Issues Podcast. Uh, we're on Twitter, Serious underscore underscore issues. And uh, individually, at Siobhan CVG and at LevDog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Of course, you can also send us an email the mm-hmm. old-fashioned way. Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's the old-fashioned way now. I move over, Grandma. Uh, serious Issues at kingscomics.com. You could also just send us a letter to 310 Pitt Street. Yeah, send us letters. Comics. That'd be so fun. Also, I just want to do a quick shout out to Tristan, who is one of our listeners and has been like a total legend, made drew some amazing fan art of the podcast um, and also dropped a little gift in for me over the weekend. Well, not um, for you. Well, not for me. Not for me. For Shatterstar, my unborn child. <laughs> um, and that was very, very kind of you. Um, and I really appreciate it. It was very sweet. Tristan, I've got two kids. What's going on? <laughs> Um, so yeah, we're going to move on to our uh, most beloved segment of serious issues, um, and that is uh, flip the dice, roll the dice for Image Marvel or DC. Num- it's so catchy. Number one and two. It's, it's so catchy. Even the creator remembers it every single week without fault. Uh, number <laughs> one and two. Number one and two are uh, if, we ro- if I roll that, it's Image. Number three or four. If I roll that, it's Marvel. If I roll five or six, it's DC. And here we go, everybody. First but there's up, no there's DC five. books. There's no DC books. All right, fine. <laughs> I could have brought the coin back. Should I bring the coin back? Yeah. Oh, okay, my God. Cool. This uh, is huge, guys. Well, okay, guys, I know a lot of people have been asking for it. So, uh, I'm, I'm going to bring back Flip the Coin for Image or Marvel. Because <laughs> <laughs> there were no DC books this week because it was a fifth week. So, wow, this is fun. A lot of people have been asking for this segment to make a comeback. People love this segment. They don't like <laughs> Roll the Dice. They love flipping a coin. It's more relatable. The, the common man enjoys this. Not everyone is fancy enough to have a dice on them at all times. <laughs> 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 See, I personally don't approve of this capitalist 
first entrance into our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I've got a uh, 2014 edition five cent piece. Oh my god! Uh, and uh, heads is. Marvel. No, yeah, Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and that uh, makes Tales DC, so here we go. No, Image. Well, oh, fuck. <laughs> what Whatever. What did I say? Hey, it was, it's Marvel. We're talking about Marvel. First. Okay, I'm talking about Marvel. Hey, all right. <laughs> uh, what a, what we a hope glorious you all enjoyed return. that. We hope you all enjoyed that. We hope you all enjoyed this audience pandering segment. <laughs> Um, so let's kick things off with Secret Empire, issue number three by Nick Spencer, Andrea Sorrentino, and Rod Reyes. Um, this uh, continues the massive uh, Marvel event that is nowhere near as bad as people thought it was going to be, including me. Uh, yeah. Like, this is at its core, like, it's hey, what are all the Marvel characters that you know and love up to in this bizarre version of the Marvel Universe? Where are they going to pop up? Mm-hmm. What are they going to do? What horrible things have happened to them? Mm-hmm. I think they're, you know, I think th- where this will suffer is when they try and wrap it all up somehow. Yeah. But uh, as we meet new characters each issue and kind of get catch up on what they've been up to since Hydra took over, um, it's, it's entertaining. Yeah, I mean, I have two points. I don't think Nick Spencer is as funny as he thinks he is. Um, and I don't think he's very good at writing comedy characters, as evidenced by the, like, scene at the beginning with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And also, why is it now, like, why is it now such a core part of Peter Quill that he's like, I like music. <laughs> I like pop music. That's a thing about me. Um, that annoys me. Also, Nick Spencer is like, like, everyone does it, and it's fine, but I hate characters that I don't immediately recognize being introduced in like really casual ways like who was this guy with the red sunglasses who's boomerang this? who's boomerang boomerang from uh, this the spider-man character oh well, there you go it's who uh, who was in who was the ma- like the main character of um sinister foes of spider-man oh, well, which, is, which is, is the counter i was going to give you to say that nick spencer does know how to do comedy sometimes but see i didn't like that series so i, st- I stand by my right. point yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I got tired of the fix but i i really enjoyed uh Superior foes, and I think it is cool. One of the cool things is, you know, we have, even though we complain about him all the time, we have read all of Nick Spencer's work over at Marvel, so it mm. is cool to see him working with a lot of characters that he's done an entire series on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ant Man shows up here, both both Captain and Captain's America, um, and uh, it was cool to see um, Boomerang from Superior Foes show up in this. He is, uh, he's kind of bi- uh, it, now that all of the um, like most of. Uh, Marvel superheroes are trapped in the dark hole or trapped in space. He's he's kind of taken over um, a big part of somewhere in America. Um, Newark, obviously. There you go, obviously. Um, and he's working with uh, Maria Hill as well. Always kind of like like keeping her safe. Mm. Uh, yeah, there are little things like that. I don't know. It's, it's fun, right? Yeah, like it's, 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 it's silly. Super silly. Like extremely silly. And the, the, the moments where it tries to be like more serious and like reference real world events and things like that. I think it it's not it's not great. Yes, um, it's heavy handed. What did it, what was that? There was a reference to something in this that was like, ugh, shut up, Nick Spencer. I can't remember. Probably fake news or something. Yeah, something like that. Like he's always saying like, whatever. Do you reckon? Um, um, do you reckon Hydrocap is going to tweet like confemf or whatever the fuck Trump did last <laughs> week? Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> Confeffy, whatever. He'll be like, it'll be like Cap Fev. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually that would be good. That was a variant. Um, yeah, look, I, like this issue just felt very like in betweeny to me. Like, I guess there wasn't a lot that happened in this one. Am I'm I, am I incorrect? That. Yeah, I, I'm. I, the the big reveal at the end is that um, uh, it's not even a big reveal, but the um, the the merger of uh, of Hank Pym and Ultron. Yeah, is, is who uh, a bunch of heroes are going to have to face soon as they try and. Uh, 
bring all of the uh, shattered uh, cosmic cube pieces together. Also, Punisher is a, is a Hydra agent. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Why is Punisher siding with Hydra? I mean, I guess he's like, I like how much punishment you're doing. Yeah, totally. I approve of this uh, amount of punishing. Anyway, it was yeah, like this this issue was fine, and I really like Sorrentino's art. Yeah, Sorrentino's awesome. I think he's doing one more issue of this series. I'm not sure. Um, he should be doing the entire thing, though, to be honest. I agree. Um, so I also read a bunch of tie-ins to Secret Empire this week, mm-hmm. um, and uh, most surprising was issue 21 of Doctor Strange because we didn't get issue 20. Did you know that? Oh no, I didn't know that. There was one That's more. Confusing. There was one more wrap-up issue of Jason Aaron and Chris Pacello's Doctor Strange run coming out. It was going to be issue 20. It gets coming out this week instead. Oh well. Great job, guys. Um, but uh, <laughs> I guess because they were desperate for the tie-in to happen, mm-hmm. uh, we get uh, Doctor Strange written by uh, Dennis Hopeless and uh, Nico Henrichon, who I think is most famous for doing, what was the Brian K. Vaughan book about um, the lions? Pride. Oh, Pride of Baghdad? Yeah, he did the art on that. Oh, cool. So it was cool to see him again. Well, the art was like really different and really nice. Yeah, so definitely. Especially cool. after Bacello. Like, you know, it would have been crap if they just got someone to kind of ape what Bacello did. Yeah, absolutely. And they didn't do it that. Um, so, yeah, this is like a tie-in a tie to Doctor Strange because he is one of the many Marvel heroes that is stuck in, like, uh, the Darkhold, mm-hmm. a big kind of black hole that opened up over um, most of New York or all of New York and plunged it into darkness. Um, and so it's up to, like, these, like, you know, scrappy heroes to kind of keep everything at bay as, as all of New York faces monsters, threat, like, I don't know, monster and scary shit. Um, and Dennis Hopeless gets to bring back um, his Jessica Drew and like her yep. sort of Spider Woman and Ben Riley uh, feature in this. Where is Porcupine? That would be a good. He yeah, that would have been, been nice. Where's her son? What's going oh, ma- on? Maybe, maybe Porcupine has a son. Let's hope so. Um, but uh, yeah, this um, this kind of setup that uh, that Baron Mordo has uh, taken over Doctor Strange Sanctum Saporum. Was it Sanctum? Sanctorum. Sanctorum. Whatever. Um, and uh, has has crammed it. Into uh, the Eiffel, sorry, not the Eiffel, fuck the Empire, Empire, what the fuck is it called? Empire State Building. Empire State Building. It's called the Comfif. So yeah, I, uh, I, I I really enjoyed this. It's like this like kind of motley crew of, of uh, Doctor Strange and then accidentally bumping into Spider-Woman and, and Ben Riley, and then they fuck up his plans and um, the day ends up being saved by Kingpin who is uh, kind of, as we've seen in, in, in uh, Secret Empire number two, is kind of the most powerful person in this Darkhold dimension. Mm. Um, and I like that, I don't know, I, I kind of, I like, I like the idea of heroes having to side with Wilson Fisk. I think that's, that's fun. Yeah, that's always fun. He's a good, he's a great character. He is a really solid, really great character. And he, and he destroys a monster by crashing a limo into it, which is admirable. Which is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, I mean, I think, I think this is like, It is not as good as it could be if it didn't have to tie into Secret Empire. I think that, like, the fact that it does have to, that he's doing the best with what he can do. I think, no, but I think, like, you know... It, it's, it's a story it's, that only exists because it ties into... Totally. But Secret I think, Empire, yeah, but... it is, like, a pretty bonkers situation, and I think he's just having fun with that. Yeah. Like, you know, Doctor Strange being trapped with a bunch of other Marvel heroes in a in a realm of monsters. I sort of don't like the way he wrote... Um, Jessica Drew in this though like Jessica kind of comes in and like fucks up Doctor Strange's plans and then is like mm, yes but what did I 
because I'm sassy. Okay, yeah. moving on. And I was like, oh, that's kind of just mad annoying. And also not, not how she was written in his series. Yeah, exactly. But, but maybe, hey, maybe this Darkhold does strange strange things to us all. Absolutely. You know, are the monsters the monsters or ourselves? And um, next next month's cover is Exceptional by Chris Pacello. Yep. Uh, I think we're getting... I don't, is it the cover for the wrap-up issue or the cover? No, it's the cover. Okay, so he's going to continue doing covers for this series. Yeah. That's fun. Hmm. Uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America written by Nick Spencer, with art by Sean Isaacs. Nice. Um, this uh, just kind of filled the blanks. I, I, like, this was fine. I don't know. It, it, it kind of filled the blanks with uh, what, what Sam Wilson did before um, saying he wasn't going to be Captain America anymore, and then him showing up in the Secret Empire series. Because um, he is now running people across the border to get them out of... Uh, Hydra America. So it was like a little bit of interesting thing of just seeing him, you know, being a good dude. But yeah. It was a wholly unnecessary issue, I thought. Yeah. Cool. Um, I read Deadpool number 31. You're crazy, week. bro. Uh, written by Jerry Duggan with uh, art by Matteo Lolli. And that's a good name. That's a great name. Um, and I really enjoyed this issue. Um, I've been I've been threatening reading uh, Duggan's Deadpool run because I've enjoyed everything else Duggan does at, at mm-hmm. Marvel. Um, and uh, this basically opens is the set before the events of Secret Empire, which I was like, oh boy, this isn't going to be good. But um, basically, Deadpool gets um, gets contacted by Captain America. Like first, we open with with the fact that. Deadpool grew up idolizing Captain America and then kind of sums up their relationship together throughout time, like, you know, fighting each other at one point, then being, you know, th- then Cap saving him and asking him to become an Avenger. Um, and then he, so he get when he gets the, uh, the mission from Captain America that he has to kill Phil Coulson from S.H.I.E.L.D., he just accepts it because who says no to Captain America? Absolutely. Then well, later in the issue, we get I grew up idolizing Captain America, a similar story from the point of view of Phil Coulson yeah. and their kind of relationship together with, with between Cap and Phil. And then Phil's Phil kind of Coulson realizes that Cap is not who he, you know, he's not the same Cap that he grew up loving. And, and so like goes AWOL mm-hmm. and um, then Cap sends Deadpool after him. And uh, this if you were if you are, if you were reading Secret Empire and want to kind of read everything that ties into it, this actually has a massive plot point. Oh. Um, for it. And another death of a, of a pretty big Marvel character. Oh. Supposedly. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually really enjoyed this issue. There was no jokes in it whatsoever, which wow. is hilarious for a Deadpool book. Um, Maybe that's the joke. Hey, it's a good one. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I, I really recommend this. Um, and the next the next issue is Deadpool, except his uh, costume is green because <laughs> he's a Hydra agent too. Great. Because of his love for Captain America. That actually sounds good. That actually sounds like something I would enjoy. Yeah, and I, I kind of made me wish that, I, that we got more stories of, of this evil Captain America convincing people to do bad things because of... Because he's Cap. Because he's Cap. You know, who says no to Cap? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but instead we, you know, we jump forward to everyone knowing that he's not the Cap that they know and love, so mm. they got to kill him. Mm. Big story that we loved, a big uh, series that we loved over at Marvel for the, since we started this podcast, actually, is the Moon Knight run by uh, Jeff Lemire and uh, most of the art on this run by Greg Smallwood. Had a lot of assistance by some of the best artists in the business, too. Also colors uh, by Geordie Blair. That's right. There's an incredible creative team. Um, and uh, this was the final issue, issue number 14 of Moon Knight. Uh, and I thought it wrapped up extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one of the... Probably one of the best things. I, 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 you know what else ended this week was um, Lemire's run on Old Man Logan. Oh, okay. And that is something that we, for whatever reason, just haven't read since we started the podcast. We, it, it, it started before we started the podcast, so we didn't pick it up because we had to. 
And um, before that, I thought it was a sequel to the Brian Bendis revisiting mm. Old Man Logan during Secret Wars. And I was like, I don't want to read this shit. And, yeah. uh, but it turns out it's one of the most beloved series that Marvel have done in the last two years. And yeah, people seem to really like it. We're friggin' idiots for not reading it. And we're, we, maybe I'll catch up. Look, I like, my, I like my Wolverine young and nude. So when they bring <laughs> back Weapon X, just a full series of him running through the forest. Crazed, out, crazed and dick out. Um, yep. <laughs> sorry, guys. Um, yeah, this was a, such a beautiful uh, like finish to the series. I think that Lemire did a really, really good job of um, wrapping everything up. Yeah, but this is one the of the star bo- of this book is for me is Greg Smallwood. Absolutely, like yeah. this is this is a book that doesn't feel like a Marvel superhero comic book in the same way that the Vision didn't. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's it sits in that weird space of like. This will be such a beautiful graphic novel to give to someone. 100%. Um, and I think Marvel should be like doing whatever they can with money and promises to keep Smallwood on on for another few series of something different. Yeah. Um, because otherwise he's going to get snapped up by an up-and-coming uh, future image creator. Yeah. And he'll just stay on in a really long... I mean, which I, I kind of want that more, to yeah, be honest. But, but Marvel, Marvel are fucking bonkers if they don't throw money at this guy and try and keep him at Marvel because he's a very, Everyone should very, be throwing money at him. Yes. That's what everyone. Everyone uh, throw money at Greg. Throw Small money World. if you see Greg Swan in the street. Throw money at him. <laughs> uh, it was a great Not run, hard. really great run, great final issue. Um, with it didn't end with like this spectacular fight or anything like that. It just ended with this really beautiful moment of acceptance of mm-hmm. who Mark Spector, aka Moon Knight, aka all the other people that he is. Um, just acceptance of who he, who, mm-hmm. who they are. Yep. Together. Beautiful. It was great. Um, and I wonder how Marvel going to use Moon Knight from this point forward in their books. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, yeah. It, it, I have it, no idea. has big changes for, like, who the character is from this series. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. Well done to the all involved. Absolutely. <laughs> Did you like this more than the Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey six issues of Moon Knight that came out a couple of years ago? I don't know. Like, they were such different so books. So different. Like, the, the Warren Ellis book was way more like a... It was kind of almost like a spy book. Yeah, it was, it was so cold as well. Yeah. It was a good um, companion to his Secret Avengers. Run. Absolutely. Um, um, whereas this was much more introspective and about sort of character. You know what? They're both good. They're both great, guys. Very good. They don't have to be in competition. Occupy Avengers number seven by Kevin Walker with art by... David F. Walker. David F. Walker. Who's Kevin Walker? Kevin Walker is uh, the artist on Dr. Afra sometimes. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so many Walkers in the game. Uh, Gabrielle Hernandez-Walter is the name of the artist on this that we uh, from the uh, previously mentioned Vision mm-hmm. series, along with colorist Jordi Belair, who did covers on that, and a Moon Knight. Um, Occupy Avengers is the uh, team book of Hawkeye and a bunch of characters that I'm not very familiar with until reading this series. Mm-hmm. Red Wolf, uh, Deadly Nightshade, and now someone... Uh, who I think Wheels, Wheels. Malinsky. Wheels Malinsky, something like that. Um, this wraps up a story of them finding a town in Utah um, that is uh, inhabited by Skrulls. Iowa, mm-hmm. sorry. Iowa, sorry to all Utah residents. <laughs> um, and uh, I thought this didn't wrap up as strongly as I wanted it to. I think that this is all like part of getting the getting the team together. So now like we have... Um, a strong core team of whatever this Avengers team are going to call themselves. And I, I, I quite enjoyed this wrap-up. I think that um, David F. Walker writes a really good, funny Hawkeye, which is kind of nice to see after a little yeah, while. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, serious, yeah. introspective He's Hawkeye. He's a little bit pathetic, but he knows it and it's amusing. Yeah, yeah. and I like, this, I like this team. I like this 
combination of characters, I think it's really good fun. Yeah, I just think from a, from a story point of view, I, I, I thought this wrapped up in a way that, I don't know, I just was like, oh, okay, that, that's It finished. could have been something bigger. It feels like it could have had another issue or two to develop, but as we can see, and maybe I'm being like overly critical and um, conspiracy theory-ish, but the next issue is um, tying into Secret Empire, so it feels as if maybe this was pushed forward a little bit. Right. Yep. That's how it feels to me. Dirty Night- Nightshade has a scroll gun, so she got that from this plot. That's pretty good. <laughs> uh, yep. So, uh, Hulk, issue number six by uh, Mariko Tamaki, and art by Nico Leon. Uh, this She finally hulks out, guys. She finally kind of hulks out. Um, but she's like a weird, scary Grey Hulk. Yep. Um, we knew that the Grey Hulk was kind of coming back. This wraps up. This uh, what, what feels like a, this went on for like it only went on for six issues, but it feels much much longer because mm. it was. I, I really enjoyed how quiet the first three issues were, mm. and by the fourth and fifth, I was like, "Come on, do something!" And so when she finally does, it feels almost like anticlimactic. Yeah, it's really interesting. Like I feel like there's a whole bunch of comics out at the moment that are trying to deal with mental health problems like anxiety, and none of them are really doing it in a way that's engaging or compelling which is frustrating and disappointing like we have you know a character who's basically suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder and a whole bunch of issues due to the fact that her you know beloved cousin was murdered in front of her face which is a bit like bonkers when you consider her job yeah you think like if that affected her like she's seen loads of her friends die um and also over at dc we have jessica cruz who has like you know Oh, true. All yeah, these anxiety yeah, problems, yeah. and it's just never, it's never, no Captivated. one's nailed it yet. Yeah, no yeah. one's, it's, it's not, it, like, I'm, it's not interesting the way that they've done it, which yeah. is, feels mean of me to say, but I'm not interested in this. It feels very like a real 180 for the character of Jennifer Walters to now be like, I'm sad. Yeah, sad, and, and like, because she, wasn't that she like really ever that hulked out that much in, in the she was other just series? Always she was just always Hulk. She was be, just a always bit confident and green, and yeah. just got the job done. Yeah, like she was a like yeah. God, I miss like the Charles Soul She Hulk run yeah, is yeah. just one of my like all time favorite um, female superhero books. I think, um, and I miss I miss that version of the character. I miss the sort of brassy, ballsy, broad. Yeah, I agree. Um, I don't think you make her a stronger character by having her not not recover from you know obviously there is a lot of weight behind what she what happened to her in the in the in the books but i feel like i don't know and it would be cooler if, like i guess it's different because you know when it, there have been t- periods where she hulk has sort of de-hulked and been a more quiet introspective nervous version of herself but it just doesn't seem to i don't think it works in this i don't think it's um you know i would like to see a She-Hulk that I recognize dealing with what has happened and, you know, even dealing with anxiety and dealing with, like, not feeling like she can go to work or yeah. go out and controlling her emotions. But I just don't think this has done that in a brilliant, compelling way. A, car- a, a, a book in which she puts on a brave face and then we see behind the scenes that she's losing it. That's a bit more Seems, compelling. Yeah, I agree. Um, but, you know, like, maybe now... This series is um, continuing, which I don't know, is the, cool. The next- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So the next issue is her crying. So Hulk, Hulk <laughs> she looks really crying. angry about it. She's furious about how much she's been crying. I hate crying. Generation X number two, um, a new series uh, started by Christina, written by Christina Strain with art by Emil Carpina. Um, this is uh, Jubilee um, leading a team of uh, newish students, um, newish mutants uh, at the, what is it, the Xavier Institute for Mutant Education and Outreach. Um, Good gracious. Uh, this is uh, really fun. Yeah, the art is so cool and so different. And weird. <laughs> and real weird, and I love it. Um, I don't heaps love this version of Quentin Quire, but I, I agree think with that you. It's that was the, the weak point of how much is how much of a little turd he is. Again, it's the he, he it's is the Damian, a turd. I know, but it's the Damien Wayne effect. It's like yeah. you have to have some moment of either remorse or or him being knowing that he's better than what he's doing, but doing it anyway, or at least Which, making him fun. Yeah, exactly. Like making agreed. him funny, making him a funny dick. This version is just kind of like ah, you just suck, Quentin. Um, but I still enjoyed this. Yeah, I think it's like this it, is like funner for me to me than all the other X Men books coming out right now, like X Men Gold and Blue. It just kind of it's just it's like it's kind of fun, fun book with a bunch of teenagers with powers. Arguing Which is kind and of stuff. like yeah, that's kind of the ultimate version of what X Men could be. You know, I like. I like the idea that X-Men can continue to be this school and we can just cycle through characters and you can bring new characters in and um, it works. Yeah. It's a concept that's always going to work. And it doesn't even end on a cliffhanger, which I enjoyed. It just kind of yeah. ends. It ends with Quentin calling one of the other characters an idiot. Which was great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm enjoying this series. I think this is really cool. And I, I think um, besides Quentin Quire, Christina Strain uh, writes compelling versions of all the other mutants who are yeah. mutants I haven't even read anything of before. I like her Jubilee. Nature Girl, though. Yep. Yep. Um, I like her fire More mouth guy as well. Yeah, where's Glob Herman at? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, pretty good book. Um, I read the fifth issue of Guardians of the Galaxy Mother Entropy by Jim Starlin and Alan Davis this week. Um, it's been a uh, weekly book for every month, every week of May to coincide with the movie coming out. Um, this very kind of older take on the Guardians um, by, you know, veteran creators Starlin and Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, Mother Entropy is like this, uh, like nature-based entity that uh, has taken over by the end of this series, taken over most of the Marvel universe and who should save the day, but Groot um, it's fun and silly and like, you know, largely forgettable, but uh, it was an enjoyable romp. So if you are, if you are a fan of the, of the movies and, um, and just want to read something that doesn't 
you know tie in way too much to the to the Marvel universe and it hasn't got all this you know ridiculous drama behind it. Uh, this is a fun and silly little book for you to read. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That's good. Uh, in the Marvel Cosmic Corner is issue number seven of Thanos, which looks like it's going to be Lemire's last book at Marvel. I don't know how many issues are left. Aww. I think maybe one more, actually. I think they say as we... Yeah, yeah it is. Yep. Now you've... Uh, there's, I think there's one more. And then he's finishing up at Marvel? Has that been confirmed? Um, I'm not sure. I guess so. I remember hearing rumors, but I don't know if I've actually heard that confirmed from the Lemire camp. But uh, if he has more time to work on solo projects, I'm into that. Yeah, me too. I think his talents are wasted a little bit. Um, this uh, issue was pretty great, actually. We see a, a, a Thanos who's been defeated by his son um, trying to uh, just survive on his own by killing rats and eating them. While he's dying, too. And, um, he's mad sick, guys. Yeah, he's super sick and he ends up getting beaten up by two, like, you know, lame thugs who just have, like, you know, do just robbing people. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was kind of fun seeing like a completely like, you know, un- like, you know, he's always presented as such a powerful character mm. and this is him at the, his absolute lowest. And at the end of the book, we see him reunited with some characters from earlier in the book who are going to, against all odds, uh, create an alliance with him so that they can bring down an unholy alliance. They can, they, they can save, the save the universe is the plan. So, uh, yeah, this has been a fun little series. I liked it. And I think it's like, it stands to Lemire's talent as a writer that this is a largely silent issue. Yes. And it's um, still a totally compelling read. Um, while we're still talking about uh, Marvel books that, that I read that you didn't. Yay. Um, Deadpool versus the Punisher by Fred Van Lente and um, Perry Perez uh, has been like a pretty fun and silly, another fun, silly Marvel book um, about Deadpool and, and Punisher uh, teaming up. Um, and at the end of each issue, um, Punisher kills Deadpool <laughs> um, and then and fucks with his memories. Um, so he, he, even though he, like he's, Frank keeps portraying him, because he gets shot in the head, he, the next issue he's like, you know, Team Frank again. Nice. Um, and then as he realizes it by the end of each issue, he gets angrier and angrier. That um, is pretty fun. That's pretty a pretty fun, fun concept. Um, the uh, the main villain in this is Taskmaster, which is also fun. I love and it's Taskmaster. like classic Taskmaster, like just like straight up like short yeah, sword yeah, yeah. and sword and shield, and um, yeah, it's really really silly and fun. Um, I've been enjoying this little series. It's you know, it's. Not nothing, nothing special, but it's oh yeah, it's fun. awesome, great, great looking Taskmaster by uh, Pere Perez. Um, finally, I read uh, Man Thing number four by R.L. Stein and art by German Peralta. And um, the Man Thing story in this still sucks, <laughs> and I, I, that's not why I read it though. Um, I've come to really enjoy the backup material of these books so much so that I really hope Marvel just collects it all. Yeah, that, that would be, be a cool. great. Just like so, basically at the end we'll of each issue, R.L. Stein a little book of anthology, like horror anthologies. Yeah. So at the end of each each issue, there's a tale from Arl Stein's Chamber of Chills. Cool. And this one uh, is uh, written by Arl Stein with art by Jonathan Marks Barravecchia. Nailed it. Um, and uh, very similar to Andrea Sorrentino art, which makes sense. They're both Italian, um, but uh, racist. They are uh, no, I mean like you know, pretty careful the same school or something. Yeah, I don't know. Absolutely. Um, and uh, this is like this awesome story about um, a guy who joins up a neighborhood watch to keep his neighborhood uh, safe after all these werewolf attacks. Uh, but are the werewolf attacks because of werewolves? That, like, I, um, Levin's got me to read this before we started the podcast, and that was really good fun. That's really, that was really like, good. And it's so, like, it really genuinely shows R.L. Stein's talent as a writer that he can tell a story with such a significant twist and have it be so compelling in so few pages. Five pages this story is. Yeah, so fun. And I love like a, a good five-page like, story. You know, horror, horror, little horror story that makes you think. 
Yep. It's so much better than the Man-Thing, but the Man-Thing book is still like this like trite fucking collection of shit jokes <laughs> and a grasp of a character that is one of the worst takes yet, but the backup is awesome. I read one book that you also read. Nice. Star Wars, Dr. Aphra, uh, part three of five of this Screaming Citadel. Is this the worst kind of crossover event where it just happens issue by issue in a different series? Um. No, but isn't that what the Teen Titans and Titans and Deathstroke was? Like yeah, same, but right? I sort of hate that. All right, you hate because like if but the button if was you fine. just yeah the button was fine, but it like I don't know. I guess if it's that limited, it's fine. But I I feel sorry for people who just read Doctor Afra, getting Star like Wars a fans. couple I, of bits and yeah. pieces. You don't feel sorry for Star Wars. Fans. No, no, as in like Star Wars fans, like even though they, they mightn't be reading it, they're still buying it. Yeah, true. you got to get all the Star Wars stuff. Um, so this one is uh, written by Kieran Gillen with art by Andrea Bracado. Um, I liked this far more than the previous two issues of this little um, team up. I like um, how stupid Luke was in this. Yeah, but I, I think what I liked most about it is that like because Kev Walker was my favorite thing about the Doctor Afra series when it started. Like obviously mm-hmm. I like the character already, and Kieran Gillen's got given her a great voice. But mm-hmm. I loved seeing a cartoonist on a Star Wars book, mm-hmm. and um, I think the what's his name LaRocca. Mm-hmm. You know, it can get it can get very photo referency, and if you mm-hmm. you know, it becomes quite uncanny valley sometimes. We're like, oh, it looks just like Harrison Ford, kind of, um, like Harrison Ford's extra. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it's actually way more interesting to me to see just like just straight up cartoon versions of these characters mm-hmm. romping around, getting into sci-fi antics. Um, yeah, and also Kieran Gillen, um, he has a great grasp of Dr. Afra as a character yep. and also of um, Leia. Leia too. There were some yep. great Leia moments in this, but I was also going to say, what's the evil C-3PO? B- uh, BT and... Uh, uh, BT is the evil R2. That's right. Um, but I can't think of what the other one is, but he is horrible. He is a horrible, scary character and Kieran Gillen writes the shit out of him and but it's he's real like good. a whimsically horrible character. Yeah, but he really like gets into Leia's head in a yeah, way. Yeah. It's really I, horrifying. I, I really enjoyed that. I think yeah. uh, a lot of uh, Star Wars diehards aren't, aren't a fan of that character at all. But um, I like it. I think it works, guys. He, he does something horrible to so that um, he can complete something that, that Princess Leia wants done. Mm. And um, as she's seeing it happen, she's horrified. And she's like, well, what, what are you, why are you upset? You asked for me to do that, like, yeah. know, to get the job done. And this is how I get the job done. I yeah, that's what you want your friends to do, isn't it? Yeah. Like, yeah. Just do what you say. I thought that was a really, really great moment in this book. Yeah. I think yeah. It's, it is good fun. I complain, but it is good fun. Yeah. I, I just, I think I would love to see more artists like uh, Andrea Bracado on, uh, on, and Kev Walker on the Star Wars books instead of your... Yeah. Um, now. I think yeah, I enjoyed him on the Darth, the Darth Vader stuff because it wasn't as photo reference even mm. that, that last issue of, of Doctor Aphra that he did. Sorry, of Star Wars that he did was no good. Mm. Fair enough. Um, image, image books. Image now, time. Guess which book is back, everybody? Saga. Guys. Cigar. Cigar's back. Uh, written by F- Brian K. Vaughan with Fiona Staples on art duties. It's one As of always. the most beloved books. And this issue was only 25 cents, did you know? Yeah, that was cool. That was really cool to celebrate the 25th anniversary of um, Image Comics. And, 95 um, cents in Australia. Yeah. <laughs> but still, uh, cheap. Very cheap. And she, uh, it really kicks things off quite quite amazingly after a, a short break away since the, the very, very bleak ending of the last arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing is like an owl, an anthropomorphic owl in a cowboy hat saying, what, howdy, strangers. And a massive sign behind it that says, welcome to abortion town. Classic. Uh, so you're like, Saga's back, everybody. Classic BKV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that this is like a, uh, it's a great example of um, Brian Cable on 
having something that he wants to say and he's he's good at addressing something really directly but with enough sensitivity and tact that it's um you don't feel like you're being lectured to cough nick spencer cough yeah <laughs> yeah i think yeah so this one uh uh, deals with uh, the choices that women w- w- women should be allowed to make, basically, um, without trying to spoil much at all. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we also um, it's kind of fun catching up with these characters who are you know have escaped the the, the last horrible place they were at. They- and it now feels like we're we're down to a sort of more core team again. Like it got quite expansive the saga universe. I'm mean, assuming all those other characters will come back into our um, the main story at some point. But now we're kind of just. Back to the family, almost. Yeah, we don't we don't check in with the will or um, yeah, um, any of those other characters, the reporters or any, anyone that, mm-hmm. that's, that we've kind of seen from the last issues. Goose isn't. Oh, where the fuck's Goose at? I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's kind of cool, and it looks like um, what's her name? Um, the mother. Uh, oh, boy, Alana. Go- Alana has uh, like fire powers now. That was sick. That was really fun. Yep, heaps heaps good fun, um, and also. Again, like you oh, know, they deal with they deal with like you know issues about abortion, and then also deal with um, kind of trans um, trans issues in a way that was. I think that Brian K. Vaughan sometimes, and this is something that I definitely felt in um, Why the Last Man as well. Sometimes he can be a little bit expositiony when there's a point that he just wants to make. Yep. But I think that it's still good writing and of value and extremely valid. Um, and I think that the way that he had that conversation happen in this book was um, sweet and funny and clever. Really, and really funny. Cause it's really be- well done. Between Hazel and uh, Petrichor? Pet- Pet- I don't know how to yeah, pronounce that. Know, that, how pronounce name. that. But just like, you know, I think having having it come from a, such a place of innocence from, you know, young Hazel asking asking her questions about her body. Absolutely. Um, because Not because she's, you know, curious as to, you know, why Patricia transitioned or what mm-hmm. her body was like before, but because her own body, Hazel's body, is, is different because, you know, her mother and father are two very different races. Yeah. Of, of, sorry, of two different species. creatures, species. Yep. Um, and her body's all weird and, you know, she just wants to feel like she's normal. And I think it's like, that was like a very beautiful moment and Absolutely. one of the reasons that I just love this series so much. Yeah. Also, always great when you have a character say, also, can I ask you a question about nipples? Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I submitted that as my favorite favorite panel of the week, and um, I think it won. Definitely nice. won best panel of Good. the week. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, you can uh, submit your favorite panels of the week each week over at our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash series it is podcast. Ooh, um, there's can... an... Also, sorry, I've just noticed in the back. Oh, yeah, I noticed this too. There's a new... Um, digital series. Yeah, digital series that BKV is doing with um, Marcos, Marcos Martin. Martin. Who we who did uh, the She-Hulk run that we were talking about a while ago. Over at um, Panel Syndicate, which is their sort of online exclusive thing where we got... Um, the Private Eye. Private Eye from, which yep. I loved. I've, I've, I own the trade and, I've, and I bought all the issues mm. digitally. I have never read it. You gotta read it, man. It's I'm a real good. friggin' idiot. Keel or be killed. Kill or be killed. That is. <laughs> I say keel. Keel or be killed. Um, issue number nine, written by Ed Rubica, art by Sean Phillips and Elizabeth Brightweiser. Nominated, nominated for, for four Eisner Awards. The, the balls on these guys, just <laughs> announcing that to the world. They should just call the call that this series is nominated for four Eisner Awards. You know what? They deserve it. It's fucking wonderful. Absolutely. This was a brilliant issue. And is it just me or is like, do we get way more comic in this comic than every other comic? Like, So much happens and it feels weighty and thick and like you're getting, you're getting so much story in each of these issues. Um, I feel like, you know, redundant 
even kind of catching anyone up on on the plot points that we that, that, that are addressed in this but you know this is uh, a, a Guys, case you gotta of, read it yeah a case of everything you know slowly crumbling mm-hmm. um, around our uh, would-be mass murderer um, but I really uh, like I love it so much because we're we're getting to see this character who we've followed on this whole journey as he kind of loses his humanity and there's a moment where he talks um, he sort of comes clean to someone for the first time about this demon and you feel the horror of that other person realizing what's about to happen to them and what uh, you know imagine like being like imagine being in that situation as someone starts being like look there's this demon that means i need to kill someone once a month and realizing that that means that you're about to die is like totally horrifying extremely scary really well told really brilliant i love it yeah, and then the, the narration of this, like, uh-huh. it, it actually annoyed me in the first few issues because I was like, who is this fucking idiot? Mm. But he's still the same idiot dealing with these heavier things and he'll he'll tell you something and then, like, reprimand the reader because they don't remember him in introducing mm-hmm. a character a few issues ago. And, I, I yeah, I, it's, it's just masterful storytelling. It's awesome. Yeah. Brubaker just, like, continues to... Um, improve himself and it's a so given that, that Phillips and Brightweiser are like you know yeah. some of the best art you'll see in comics today absolutely um, that, that team is also nominated for an Eisner for um, uh, one of the criminal single issues that oh they God, got I so like so, much, yeah. so so well deserved and great great back matter this week as well um, yeah this, there was uh, I mean we always get like a great essay about um, a movie a movie or something like that um, at the back but um, just Ed Brubaker's uh, little letter and mm. I love it when – my favorite thing to ever is when creators just say other things that they're either reading or mm-hmm. watching or listening to. turns out Ed Brubaker is a big fan of Kaiju Max, which is a series by mm-hmm. Xander Cannon that I love, um, that Only Press puts out. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, on, on his and my recommendation, you should be reading it. Um, uh, and then he also is really loving f- uh, the most recent season of Fargo, which I am uh, in love with at the moment as well. He also references um, one of my favorite – podcasts that i listen to obsessively called you must remember this which is all about um if you liked uh brubaker's series the fade out it's all about um the golden age of hollywood and all the certain kind of mysterious stories and they just had a season about dead blondes so like all of the famous blondes who have died in mysterious circumstances um and he rates that as well which i'm like yes fantastic i love uh when he's talking about fargo he's saying like how much fun it would be um to have permission to lift an aesthetic from the coen brothers um, and then wondering what other filmmakers you could do that with. Because mm. so Fargo now, the series, is less about that movie Fargo, and they'll just do entire episodes that are like, you know, contain heaps of references and tributes to other Coen Brothers movies mm-hmm. and themes that you've seen in those movies. It's such a, like as someone that grew up, like, you know, worshipping Coen Brothers movies, it's so much fun to watch. But yeah, he, he brings up, Hitchcock would be fun to kind of do that with. But I would are, love that. That would yeah. be so fun. I mean, he writes. He wrote, He writes for television. He wrote a lot of Westworld. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see Brubaker. He's clearly do writing his version of Fargo for TV at the moment. I don't know what exactly he is writing, but um, I would love him to do something like that. He's so good. He's so good, guys. This is the best book. Um, what a great way for image too. We got yeah. Saga, Killer Be Killed, and we got Sex Criminals back as well. Sex Criminals. Uh, issue nineteen is called Down with the Thickness, and um, <laughs> this is like uh, they're so gross. Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. Yeah, I mean, like. I kind of got quite used to the drama of it all, and occasionally, like occasionally, they do an, an, an issue where the the drama and the comedy isn't quite as balanced as it should be. Yeah. And I found the jokes in this one annoyed me, and then the drama was very heavy-handed, and we kind of see 
what's his? I always forget the fucking characters' names in this one. It's uh, what's the dude? John. John is has like lied to Susie again, and I'm like, we already did this. I, I get know. that it's like a, you know, he's like you know, I'm sure he's some analogy for themselves, like you know, kind of dude. Yeah, that I think that this time, is Matt Fraction like, working out a lot of his issues. Yeah, but I really like. I think the thing that's most irritating to me about this, like, the ongoing relationship problems between them is I just, I don't like Susie. Oh, <laughs> like, really? I, like, I get that John is the one fucking up and he's, like, the bad guy in all these situations, but I don't like the way that she responds to things. I don't find her, like, yeah, I just, I don't like the way that she's doing it. And that's probably fine. Like, that's a fine reaction. You don't have to like characters. Mm. But it's just kind of annoying. It seems to be really circular, like the way she that this happens, it to happen. but then like being pissy about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it looks like uh, she's finally taking action, uh, and maybe this will see them not be together anymore. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. I would like this to be more about, you know, the, the greater story because the, the tidbits we get of the story of the you know people with these crazy sex powers is is awesome. Mm. Um, and I, oh, you know what I loved in this issue is mm. uh, like because that's the thing I've come to love. The other, you know, to say what a great story they're crafting. I love mm. all the other characters more yeah, than John yeah, and yeah. Susie. Absolutely, I think that maybe. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I whenever the, the, the series focuses on them now, I'm like, Ugh. but there's a brilliant, like, you know, mm, sp- the date between the therapist and the porn star. Oh man! And the funnest, like, a really like fun visual gag about that is there's a really long piece of exposition from um, one of the characters, and <laughs> Chip Zdarsky draws it as <clears throat> if the word balloons are like physically there and like on top of people and, and crushing knocking them people. out of the way and like knocking people's dishes off the table and fuck i, I didn't even pick up on that one I read yeah that yeah it, like it took me a, it took me a couple of um i was like what's happening that Did someone fart? I don't yeah know. <laughs> yeah it's really funny like just for no reason but it, it's just a really funny little visual gag in there yeah I, that was actually one of my i was just critical of this issue but that was actually one of my favorite my, my favorite moment from comics this week actually was that brilliant mm-hmm. date conversation in in, in, in which uh the therapist, like you know, is is desperately trying to convey why he's he's made the date so awkward and and does so in such a spectacular way that he wins her over. Yeah, really awesome. good fun. Really, really great. Um, anyway, great series, great three series from Image, um, and uh, that only continued um, with Black Science issue number thirty. Rick Romano, Matteo Scalera, Moreno, Denicio, um, just the, getting increasingly more and more insane, um, and uh, we saw someone who deserves to die fucking cock it in a great very happy way nice um i mean it's it just created even more problems um but uh this is, it's, this is now a monster book you know i told you this this book kind of changes its mind about what genre it is mm. each, each issue now it's a uh, insane like uh massive monster rampaging over the city that's his, pretty his fun. name is harlog the defiler nice it's <laughs> <laughs> horrifying um also from image you read Yep. Uh, well, I read Romulus, yep. issue four of Romulus, which is, I I really liked this series. I think this is definitely one that really suffered by um, a long gap between issues three and four, unfortunately. And I really wish that they'd had a little recap page um, just because it took me a minute to remember what was going on. I think definitely um, my favorite thing about this is um, the art by Nelson Blake II. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a really like... There's something about this that makes me think of like Buffy 
I think it's because it's like there's a chosen one who's like a badass chick who fights people and wears cool jackets and stuff. Um, so it's similar in that is, sense. Her name is Duffy. And her name is Buffy. No, um, <laughs> but I like this. It's setting up um, a cool universe. Like this is something that I think really could exist for a long time and have longevity because um, they've done a good job in this first story arc of setting up something significant and fun. And I like the characters and I really like the art. And um, I thought that they wrapped up this issue really strongly. Hmm. We got the penultimate issue of Hadrian's Wall by Kyle Higgins, uh, uh, Alex Siegel, and Rod Rios with Eduardo Ferragato or not. Um, this is, uh, it started out as quite a small, small in scope mystery uh, in which uh, someone is sent from Earth to a space station to investigate the murder of the now husband of his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was... Uh, like this, you know, light sci-fi hard drama. Mm. Um, and now it is still extremely dramatic, but it is much more hard sci- sci-fi. Hard sci-fi. Um, we get uh, people who want to destroy the Earth because um, the Earth has sent very little resources and support to, to the space station. Um, and so now it's up to this would-be detective to stop the Earth from being destroyed. Real good fun. Yeah, super fun. This uh, this issue um, was, 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 was very good, actually. They had, they had a lot to... A lot of um, a lot to explain in this issue, and they did quite a great job of of, of doing that and then moving the plot along at a cl- cracking play- pace. Mm-hmm. And Rod Reyes is such a talent. Rod Reyes is great. Yeah, this was uh, I, I'm I'm sad that this is going to end in one issue, but uh, I also like don't want them to make it even more expansive and harder to follow. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and we got the ultimate, the final issue of uh, Black Road, issue number ten. Um, which was apparently a Magnus the Black mystery, although I will say at 10 issues, what the fuck was the mystery? Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, this was uh, yeah um, Brian Wood with art by Gary Brown plus Steve Wands and Dave McCaig. Um, and, uh, it's a very sad ending. It's a, and it's also like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it, it, just, it, it, is, it is a sudden, sudden ending in which mm. little is resolved. Mm. Um, but I kind of like when comics do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, I think I want to reread all 10 issues of this in one hit, mm-hmm. and, I, and I, you know, encourage others to do so when the trade comes out. Yep. Um, but uh, as a month to month, I think it was a bit tough to follow. Well, when it, when a story ends as abruptly as this, and you're like, oh, that's that. Nothing finished. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder if this is the first of many mysteries that aren't mysteries featuring Mag- <laughs> Magnus the Black, because I really did like that character. This is yeah. a this is a, like a kind of a, a Viking story in a time where all pagans are trying to be converted into Christians. Mm. And then, so there's lots and lots of killing. Um, and uh, I think, yeah, Magnus the Black is quite a captivating character, especially what we learn. He did, um, you know, many, many years before this story was, was set um, in order to try and bring peace between the pagans and the Christians. Um, I, yeah, I, th- I would like to see more featuring this character. I just yeah, hopefully it doesn't I agree. End as... And I would love to see more from Gary Brown. On yeah, our... Gary Brown's great. That was really good. Good colors on this one, too. Absolutely. Uh, so, those are our image reviews for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I also encourage everyone to pick up Image Plus, um, which had some uh, great details for um, the brand new uh, story, uh, Redlands, written by Jordi Belair with art by Vanessa Ardell Ray this, this week. Cool. Um, and there was also, um, what's that? The Seal, uh, the Rich Tommaso book um, about. Like what's it called? Spy Seal number one. Have you seen anything? That sounds that? so fun. Man, the art on this is so Whoa. up our alley. It's ridiculous. I love Rich Tommaso. He's the guy who does um, She Wolf. She Wolf. Yeah. This looks way more lighthearted than She Wolf. Look at this. There's anthropomorphic seals and, uh, and rabbits. That looks cool as hell. Sexy lady rabbits. I love Rich Tommaso. 
Yeah, I love sexy Lady Labrits. Guess you break sexy. all of his comments. <laughs> <laughs> horrible. Um, You're a horrible man. Yeah, um, I am. Um, so <laughs> finally, that brings us to um, the last Everything segment. else. Yeah, uh, everything else from all the other publishers. I got a couple books to get through. Mm-hmm. Uh, first of which is from Dark Horse, Aliens Dead Orbit, number two, written, drawn, and uh, colored, and art, and everything by James Stoko. Uh, we loved issue one, and mm-hmm. I loved issue two even more. Yep, it continues to be excellent. I had to get Jim to like explain to me what was happening in it a little bit. <laughs> How come? What did you forget? There was, I just forgot um, that what the guy at the beginning was doing, where he was, what right. that was about. He like dropped a box and is trying to get the box back, right? Yeah, that, that's so, kind yeah. of hilarious. But he's on a he's on a space station, and yeah. everyone else is back on their ship. Of course, he is. It's, it took me it's a, aliens. It took me a second. <laughs> um, but like, you could just like this could have no text in it, and I would still read this. Like but cover to cover, to cover yeah. with such intent. This is so good. I've not. I mean, that's it. I've not read many aliens comics, but I've never seen aliens be this focused on horror. Yeah, you and this was you- horrifying, guys. The panels, like you expect a few things from an alien book, um, and like you, you know, this delivers in probably the most impactful, horrifying way that I can imagine since the original Alien movie. Yeah, this is obviously like, you know, you expect a few chests being broken open by an alien bursting out and this makes it look more painful than it's ever looked ever. Yeah, God. Maybe because uh, the person whose chest is exploding also has no skin. It was really gross, guys. <laughs> and as someone who just went to their first um, birth class and had to watch a bunch of birth videos, this was horrifying on many levels. <laughs> this is really disgusting, guys. Uh, Siobhan, it's even worse than the day. Oh, my God. So <laughs> just excited. kidding. It's fun. It's so great. I can't wait. aliens. <laughs> You're you're not like you're not going to do what this character does and bite your teeth out. That's true. He's, he like chomps down with such force that two of his teeth Whoa. fly out of his mouth. It's so horrifying. It's so good. It's the best. And I've I, I have never seen his um his art look this uh, manga inspired too. Yeah, I think it definitely really feels very like um uh, who's the guy who does who did Akira Jim? Atomo. It feels vaguely Atomo. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and the colors are so good. Like, Stucco has a pretty distinct color palette, but I think it works really well in this. And it, it has a real unsettling quality. Lots of purples and pinks. Yeah. Good fun. Great book. So great. Incredible stuff. I mean, I, I reckon I'll go out there and put it. I reckon this is 50% of our listeners are reading this book. Yeah, I yeah. hope so. Good on you. Good job, guys. Um, <laughs> IDW put out uh, a second issue of Judge Dread: The Blessed Earth this week um someone actually complained on our twitter last week how come where are all the judge dread reviews and we've done two this week yeah come on guys uh this was the one written by eric farinas and um ulysses farinas sorry ulysses farinas and eric freitas with art by uh daniel irizara irizari um and colors by ryan hill um we get the uh incredible ulysses farinas cover and Mm -hmm. i'm like oh my god this is gonna be awesome and the art in inside is completely competent and good but it's just not ulysses farinas it's true (laughs) this uh this story is is set uh, many, many years in the future in a world where Judge Dredd uh, has cybernetic eyeballs and a metal skeleton because he just keeps, like, against all odds trying to uh, fight the his, his war against crime. Mm-hmm. Um, so the old man Logan of Judge Dredd books. Yeah, really, but, but it's so much better than that. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, no, one, no one in this world wants wants judges anymore because mm. and, and, and judges are actually outnumbered by, by people at this point. Significantly. Significantly. Like, like was in, like, one to a million or something ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and they're, you know, building this, like, train transporter for judges or something like that and man this is awesome like, so good it's a convoluted story to try and kind of uh explain but uh i i i love i love this silly book yeah yeah it's heaps good fun 
There's, I think there has to be like a ma- maintain a, a level of silliness to to a dread book. I mean, long term fans may disagree, but um, yeah. I mean, it still has moments of like uh like seriousness and kind of horror, mm-hmm. but it is sort of Judge Dread is a satire at its core. I think and yeah, it's, definitely. It's pretty silly. The action in this is is wonderful too. Yeah, yeah, it's great really stuff. Good. Really thick pencils. Love it. Pens even. Mm. Textures. Inks. Crayons. <laughs> it's, it's drawn in crayon That's crazy um, From our boy Terry Moore This week over at Abstract Studio oh, We got the fuck? You didn't read issue 6 of Motor Girl? No This was wonderful God damn So Motor Girl is the story of a um, ex-vet ex, ex, Ex-soldier um, Who uh, has PTSD and, and uh, injuries That she sustained during war um, And uh, she has an imaginary friend Who is a ginormous gorilla And she works in a scrapyard And um uh, you know, this has been like, you know, this kind of balance of, of comedy and you know that, you know, some bad shit happened to, to our main character during the war. And um, this issue opens with like some like crazy alien carnage stuff. Fun. And then when, when, uh, when our hero um, goes to see for herself the, 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 the alien attack, um, it, she remembers or we get a flashback to her during the war and we learn what happened that uh, like where she sustained her injuries and it's really really sad and poignant and just makes this all the the series all the stronger amazing um you should definitely read this while i edit, edit this episode yeah good call it's wonderful um and you know of course beautiful pencils um and it got it has a very sad last panel too Ooh. i love this i love this series yeah it's, it's real very, good. very good i, I just bought all of um strangers in paradise oh cool run. nice um, from Albatross this week, last book we're going to talk about is Nam Wolf, issue number two by Fabian Rangel Jr. with uh, Logan Faber, Brennan Wagner, and Warren Montgomery. This is the uh, kind of uh, horror comedy book about a werewolf uh, who is also enlisted to fight the war in Vietnam. Um, this issue opens with him in the brig. Uh, is it the brig or the bridge? It's a brig, right? Brig. It's, it's, the, it's, it's jail for soldiers. <laughs> Um, and he's kind of reminiscing on the events that transpired that allow that, that he's, he reads a letter in which he finds out that his family has a long legacy of being vampire, sorry, of being uh, werewolf soldiers. Did oh. you read issue one? No, wait, what issue? Yes. <laughs> Siobhan's like thumbing through her issue, going, like with a massive confused look on her face. I was like really confused, like that's not what happened in my issue. <laughs> well, yeah. Issue one was great, guys. Yeah, you, were, really you, you, were, you weren't here when, when, when we did issue yeah. one. So, yeah, yeah. Um, or maybe Clearly, you were. issue two sold maybe out. You, were here, you just hadn't read it. But yeah, it's back on stock now. Goddamn. Back on shelves. Anyway. Um, a great read, right? It's yeah, fun. it was really good issue fun. Issue two is really good, too. <laughs> I was like, but this issue ended with him in jail. But um, yeah, I mean, this 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 ends with, um, with uh, the kind of realization that he can completely talk and. Um, and is is you know very aware of what he, what he's doing when he is a werewolf, oh, which cool. is fun and not like other werewolf books. Yeah, uh, it actually ends with him saluting his captain, <laughs> which that was fun. And then uh, we also see um, what the because uh, oh, obviously the werewolf was fighting for the Americans, but who was fighting for the Vietnamese? Why it's an enormous vampire bat. Nice. So um, yeah, it's a very fun and pretty silly but fun book. Cool. War is bad, though, everyone. I really disapprove of it. Um, one thing which I read, I read some of, but I haven't actually gotten through all of it. Um, I love picking up every so often um, an issue of the Grant Morrison edited Heavy Metal, and this was the Magic Special, um, with a really long essay in it from Grant Morrison about chaos magic. And it's actually really interesting and gives you a really interesting insight into his work. 
he refers to himself as a sorcerer a lot, which is kind of great. <laughs> and the way that the way like it's, it's super interesting the way that he um the way that he sees magic, what he sees magic as being, and how he practices magic. Like this really goes in depth into his him as a sorcerer and it's really interesting it sounds insufferable no it's so good it's very good um it's very interesting and then the rest of the issue the rest of the issue look you guys are just really close-minded all right he talks about skeptics open your third eye levins yeah come on um but it was actually really good fun and like look it's got these like super like wiccan illustrations the whole way through it's great um very very interesting but it also has... Are you going to um, start practicing magic? Are you going to be a sorceress? What do you mean start? Yeah. <laughs> I am the sorceress supreme. Um, sorry, <laughs> I got distracted looking at it. But um, every issue in this... by your, your dreams and aspirations. <laughs> um, but every all of the little short stories in it are magic-based and... Um, Graham Morrison is very good at like, you know, uh, bringing really interesting creators together. So I really enjoyed this. If you have an interest in that sort of thing, it's worth picking up. And the cover's really hilarious. It has a picture of, it has Grant Morrison on the cover looking like a sorcerer and on top of a castle. It's great. Are you a sorcerer? Do you listen to Serious Issues? Let us know. Let us know. If enough of you listen, we'll change our name to Sorcerer's Issues. <laughs> that would be great. Um, we read some graphic novels this week too. Oh, well, I, I wanted to read this, but I didn't get to it. But I am going to read this week My Lesbian Experience with Loneliness, which is a autobiographical um, manga graphic novel. Um, I read, um, actually on that note, on, uh, on lesbian experiences, which, oh, is, yeah. which is a wonderful sentence to start. Oh um, my God. Did you read, um, uh, Small Favours? I meant Small, Small Favours by Colleen Coover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is a collection of, uh, of stories that were written in the, uh, in the, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, she is a cartoonist and it, they are erotic. Uh, it's straight porno, guys. I was not expecting that. <laughs> I know. When you picked it up, I was going to be like, just so you know, it's straight porno. Because I did the well, same thing. it's not thing. straight porno. It's pretty. Porno. Uh, yeah, yeah, sorry. But like, in terms of, like, there's not much narrative going on between the fucking, is what I'm trying Here's to say. the thing, though. It's very sweet. Within that, the, st- the, 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 the love between the two main characters that develops throughout all of the fucking, I actually thought was really heartwarming. Absolutely. It's very, you know what? It kind of was reminiscent to me of Empowered in that it started off as just kind of a sexy gag. And then as it goes on, the sexy gags continue, but it develops into this like quite sweet, genuine relationship. Yeah. Like she has, she has a crush on the girl that lives next door and they finally have a massive orgy with... Uh, their best friend. It's like five girls have an orgy, yeah. but then the two main characters leave the group sex um, just to hang out with each other because, like, you know, it's one thing to fuck all the girls you want, but it's another thing to come home and be with the person you love. And then love hearts fill the air, and then she picks one of the love hearts out of the air and says, "Here, this is for you." And I was just like, "This, I like." Like, like, it's incredibly uh, sweet. It's also... And also, her cartooning is amazing. Yeah. Like, uh, and, you know, she went on to do Bandette with her husband. Yeah. Like, that, what, what baffled me is that she is straight. The, um, oh, okay. The creator, um, not baffled. Sorry, but I was I, I was surprised yeah. to, to learn that. Um, and uh, yeah, I just I, I thought that it was an um, unbelievably sweet comic. Yeah. Uh, in which, but it's filthy, guys. So yeah, basically, <laughs> like the plot of this book, Small Favors, which which started out like you know self published work in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Um, this has been re released as part of Oni Press's new um, erotica and sex education um, imprint. Oh, which, that's such a um, cool thing. Yeah, which and it has a forward by Kelly Sue DeConnick. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, 
yeah, so the, the, the plot of this is um, uh, a girl gets, um, like, she starts masturbating over her, the girl that she sees next door, and then um, she is transported to her, like, into, like, a representation of her self-conscious, and um, she has used up all of the masturbation that one is meant to have <laughs> in their life. Mm-hmm. So, some, that, so she's assigned someone that's meant to, like, look after her and, like, you know, keep her in check. But she's, like, this, like, tiny tiny like woman yeah and uh instead they the the tiny woman and her have sex all the time because Mm. she can change her size at one point she jumps in her vagina and they fuck that way yeah um (laughs) (laughs) it's like that horrifying um avengers issue written by jeff johns oh my god totally it's way sweeter (laughs) than that though where where uh where ant-man goes goes little and and gets all up in wasp yeah Um, it's not as graphic this, it is, this is it's this way is, grosser. This is like I don't know. Like even though I was like you know straight up reading a porno comic, there there is sweetness on display that you don't see in other comics. And I, I absolutely I, and like uh, genuine relationships. Yeah, but yeah, I was rec- I, I, it came like you know I think I first heard of it on a forum about like Love and Rockets, mm-hmm. which is a you know relationship comic that definitely you know veers towards pornographic territory from time to time, but. At its core is definitely a relationships and drama comic, mm. um, and uh, I was like, oh, expecting something, but from a female perspective. But instead, yeah, getting like a uh, straight up porno comic. Yeah, um, I don't know whether to keep it in my house. So. <laughs> you have to have a dirty comics shelf, which is really, really high up. Yeah, <laughs> in the yeah. attic. Nate, and I, my boyfriend and I have had to move all of our dirty comics into our room to prepare for our child. <laughs> but like, yeah, it's funny because like, like I feel like you know, like stri- lo- uh, Love and Rockets definitely has like you know. Uh, yeah, images that I don't it's got want rude bits. little kids seeing at any point. But I don't know. I feel like besides this, like the only other character that I've been like, I don't really want to have this lying around is like the pro by Garth Ennis yeah. and Amanda <laughs> Connor. This is uh, leagues, leagues more fun. We have mad this. Manara comics at home. Oh, yeah, shit. Yeah. Uh, I got all my Euro stuff as the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. you got you to hide the Euro stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I, I would actually highly recommend this book. Yeah. Like, I mean, I haven't, like, it is, the comics are like, they're, they're silly, but they are very sexy. Absolutely. They, they're like, they're really, really it's like it's, it's great it's, porn, it's guys. Great porn. It's what I'm trying to say, but it also <laughs> is beautiful cartooning and great story, and also the story behind it. Yep. And interviews. If you read interviews with Colin Coover about this, it's really interesting hearing hearing her talk about it now. Mm. Um, yeah, so I highly recommend it. It's, it's, it's a beautifully uh, put together collection too. A great cover and um, really yeah. beautiful. And also just also you know we 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 always sing the praises of black and white cartoonists like Terry Moore, mm-hmm. like the uh, brothers Fernandez, mm-hmm. and um, Colin Coover is another one in in that in that guild. Absolutely. Um, we read another comic this week, significantly less pornographic. Um, yeah. Secret Path by Gord Downey and Jeff Lemire is uh, who, who this comic's credited by. Um, Jeff Lemire, this this is a, a, yet another project from him this year, uh, which is insane. But uh, what he's done actually is a graphic novel that accompanies an album by Gord Downey. Gord Downey is the ex lead singer, or sorry, the lead singer of a band in Canada called The Tragically Hip. Mm-hmm. You may have heard of them. Uh, throughout your lifetime, if you're an old person like us. You're I've not, heard you're of them. Old. Yeah, you're not old. But I haven't actually heard them. Um, and he put out an album called Secret Path at the end of last year, which you can find on Apple Music, but also you get a download code to uh, to download it if you buy this book, which is almost the size, a little bit bigger than, than a record. Mm-hmm. Very big, big comic. Um, and uh, I read up on Gord Downey, and he actually started a, um, a charity mm. um, called the Cheney, Wenjack, and Gord Downey charity or something like that, like mm-hmm. the association or whatever fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, he raises money for reconciliation for first nations people in Canada. And I thought this was a, a, a cool little companion piece to, um, 
the recent Jeff Lemire graphic novel that we read, uh, which was called Roughneck. Roughneck, mm-hmm. which um, uh, had you know the two the two protagonists in the, in that book were were First Nations, and it's not something that I was. It's not. I mean, and and you know, it's not something that you're aware of in terms of Canada. I mean, I mean obviously, like you know, they are they they are a quote unquote civilized you know part of the Western world. So that, of course they've got a fucking horrible backstory. Yeah. But it's certainly like you know where it's very prevalent in Australia, where it's with, with Aboriginal people, when we're very prevalent in America with Native, um, uh, Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you, you know, don't you do, hear you, much about the First Nations. Absolutely, problems. and so even just in reading the blurb on the back of this um, this graphic novel, Secret Path, um, it says like um, you know Charlie Wenjack. This is all about this 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 boy Charlie Wenjack, who was a, a young boy who died on October twenty second, nineteen sixty six, while trying to walk home along the railway tracks, trying to escape the uh, Indian residential school. Uh, Cheney's home was 400 miles away. He didn't know that. He didn't know where his home was, nor how to found it. But um, like so many kids in residential schools, more than anyone will ever be able to imagine, he tried. Um, Charlie Winjack haunts us. His story is Canada's story. We are not the country we think we are. History will be rewritten. All of the residential schools we pulled apart and studied the next hundred years are going to be painful and unsettling as we meet Cheney, Wenjack, and thousands like him as we find out about ourselves, about all of us, and when we do, we can truly call ourselves Canada. (coughs) So proceeds from this um, go to the National Centre for Truth and Reconciliation um, at the University of Manitoba. So, I mean, clearly this is something that, that, Mm -hmm. uh, that Gord... Um, Downey, the singer from Judgely Hip, is is very passionate about. So he wrote he wrote an entire album about the life of Cheney Wenjack called Secret Path, and it's like a folky, you know, mostly mm-hmm. guitar based um, album of sad songs. Um, that's not completely without hope, but it is a morose listen. Um, and then yeah, this is the accompanying graphic novel, which was uh, put together by by Jeff Lemire. And you couldn't imagine a more perfect artist than Jeff Lemire and for clear- a project like this. Clearly, he's a, a creator that that cares very deeply about. Mm-hmm. Um, reconciliation between for the, for the First Nations people, and so it, I'm you know I'm always support things like this. Um, this is a completely wordless um, comic, um, interspersed with the lyrics from Gord Downey's album, um, and we see kind of the the a, a small little chunk of of, uh, of Cheney's life um, as he leaves the reservation school and um, tries to find his way home. And it's incredible storytelling by Jeff Lemire, like just from a comic book perspective. Um, this is like this is great comics from Jeff Lemire, and I think from a perspective of like, you know, as Australians, I think this is a story that we can definitely recognize and identify with. I think that, um, you know, I was I went to Canada a couple of years ago. My sister um, lives there, and you really don't hear about it outside of Canada. And learning about it at a museum one day was really shocking and horrifying. And I think that most countries that are white settled um have a history like that then it's really worthwhile to to read things like that and educate yourself and yeah it's important support, to do. support things yeah, yeah, like that absolutely support just like you know learn about it instead of taking it for granted is like this is the way things have always been like absolutely. They, they, they absolutely haven't and, yeah and and people people suffered to yeah. to to get things the way they are absolutely and, and in australia people are still suffering absolutely um but uh yeah i think you know if if you I don't know. This is a, this is a, a it's a sad read, but it's a, it's a it's a good one with some beautiful art by Jeff Lemire. So another another recommended book yep. by Jeff Lemire for 2017. Yeah, yeah. Good lord. Um, I know. I said last week that I would read. Oh, sorry. I should just say that this came out through Simon and Schuster. Actually, huh. 
this. So um, yeah, you should, you should check it out. I mean, it should be in comic book stores, bookstores, online. Mm. Check it out. Super um, worthwhile. Uh, I said I would read uh, a manga this week um, based off of the recommendation of uh, one of Connor our Manu. readers, Connor. Connor. Um, Descending Stories by uh, Showa Genroku Raku. Oh, no, it's not that, that's the name of it. Haruko Kom- Komoto. Nice. Um, and uh, I read the couple, maybe first third of this book so far. Right. I'm going to try and read the, the rest on the way home. We can talk about it in depth next week. But uh, Nice. This is very fun. It's so good, guys. I really enjoyed this and I really um, was appreciative of the recommendation because I wouldn't have picked it up normally um, because I pretty much only read manga from like the 60s, I've realized. Yeah. Um, but this was, this was really good fun. I really enjoyed this. Um, another thing, that I've been rereading Tintin because I'm the best. Um, guys, let me know what your favorite Tintin story is. I love talking about Tintin. It's one of my all-time favorite comics. Tintin I think it's, in, in Tibet. Tintin in Tibet is yeah. one of the all-time best. I just and finished... the sequel to that is wonderful too. Whatever the I can't what it's called. The one with the, the the bunch of characters come back from that one. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. Um, I've just finished the Calculus Affair, which is one of my oh, all-time yeah, yeah. favorites. But like, they're they're so classic. And Hergé is such like just one of the all-time best cartoonists. Everything he did, every panel was so perfect. Just don't read the first two. Just, yeah, just ignore the <laughs> racist ones. I bought the complete collection that came out. It was an incredible, beautiful, um, like, hardcover bound mm. collection. It's like, I think it's two or... Th- no, no, it's... They're all, there's, like, three of Tintin stories to each book. Yeah, I have the same one. Yeah, the, in sweet. the small format. Yeah, in small format. Which I'm like, I like, but I also wish I had it in a bigger format. Those big formats. There's are so all, much to right. see in each panel. Yeah, totally. Um, um, but having to read through all the shit ones to get to the good ones, it was, it was a tough slog. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Because yeah. even, don't, even read, don't read Tintin in the Congo. Don't read Tintin in the Americas. Yeah. Cause even if, um, the Blue Lotus is a bit dodgy. But even like, like, like yeah, the, 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 there is some like, you know, pretty gross understanding of the world um, displayed mm. on the pages there. But also from a story point of view, they're not good books anyway. Mm. They're very like antics. Like, oh no, yeah. it's snowy, don't go in there. Whoops. <laughs> like, <laughs> I do recommend um, checking out, someone did a graphic novel biography sort of in the style of Hergé's work. I can't think of who it was called, The Life of Hergé um, or The Life and Times of Hergé, something like that. The Adventures of Hergé. There That's we right. go. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and it's extremely interesting. He was a very interesting man. That's another one that I've owned for the better part of a decade, but I've never read. It's a good read. To rectify that. Absolutely. And also, sorry, just because I think of them in the same thought um my my boyfriend is currently reading blackjack of which i have like 20 volumes or something like What's that blackjack? blackjack is i thought um, you were gonna say asterisk and i was gonna groan no no i'm not a big <laughs> asterisk fan i like i understand the appeal but it's um i don't think it's in the same like it's always mentioned in the same conversation as tintin and i just don't think they're comparable um uh yeah blackjack which is asama tezuka's long-running medical drama oh cool and if you want to see like unbelievably skilled cartooning and storytelling pick up just one of these volumes they're all um short stories put into volumes they're all pretty self-contained so you can really read them each individually and it's like it's unbelievable what tezuka could do and how much of it he put out and yeah really phenomenal storytelling cool that's fun talking about uh, a bunch of things that weren't single issues yeah try and keep it up even though the next week next week there's more than 50 issues that we're picking good lord up. um do you want to read some of the same things we're reading, listeners? Uh, I would recommend. Um, I don't know what I'll recommend next week. It's a weird week next week. There's yeah. heaps of stuff with a few things that I'm excited, like you know the next issue of like Stray Bullets or um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The final issue of the Nova series that we've really enjoyed comes out. 
Um, Youngblood issue two. Yep. I don't Zombies know Assemble <laughs> issue two. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. The Iceman book by Cena Grace, which I'm yep, keen to check, I'll out. check that out. And also Cena Grace has a graphic novel coming out next week. Mm-hmm. Um, Cullen Bunn has yet another new series starting next week, but this one is at um, Image. looks quite good. The art on it's pretty good. It's called The Unsound. Good Lord. Um, yeah, he does a lot. Um, the Divided States of Hysteria by Howard Chaykin comes out next week. I'm looking oh my forward God. to Great. getting uh, Siobhan's take on that one. I'm excited. Um, and there's uh, they've actually there's a there's I don't know if you, if you, like me you grew up reading like Richie Rich and Cast with a Friendly Ghost. There is a book called Harvey Hits coming out next week featuring all these characters. I'm going to give that a little look in. Oh, the final issue of Dark Knight Three: The Master Race finally fucking comes out next week, and we can just I can just wrap that up and never think of it ever again. Yay. Um, there's a Guar comic. Do you know the metal band Guar? No, but well, good. There's a Guar comic called Guar Osmageddon or Orgasmageddon. Oh, good lord! Looking forward to hearing your take on that one too. <laughs> um, we will be back next week, everybody. Um, enjoy reading your comics until then. And uh, again, find us facebook.com/slash group/slash series podcast. If you would like to support the show in some way. Patreon.com slash Series Issues Podcast is where to head to. Um, thanks so much to the 50-ish people that have uh, supported us so far. We yeah, look thanks, forward guys. to bringing you more content. Um, basically, we set up a Patreon account to try and uh, fund, fund a bunch of new stuff featuring the two of us, yep. um, which is ambitious considering Siobhan's about to have a baby, but hey, we'll keep it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I can do stuff. Um, also, just quickly, um, we're, I'm planning a whole bunch of stuff at King's Comics um, coming up very soon in the next couple of weeks. Keep an eye on our Facebook page if you want to see some of that. We're doing a drink and draw session um, on Thursday the 15th if you're in Sydney. It should be really good fun and um, I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Uh, serious issues, people. <laughs> Wait, so we, someone, we had a spam account hit up. Um, oh, yeah. I, I, I like to incorporate this into the lore of the show. Um I can't remember what, what they, but it was like uh, booty something, booty, booty friends, so booty friend talk or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was spam, into it. A spam account uh, said, you know, add me if you want me if you want to do booty talk with friends. <laughs> I don't, sorry, I don't know. Anyway, so should we should we name this? Uh, should we name our series booty serious booty talk? Serious booty talk. I'm into it. Great. See you next week. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to Serious Issues. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One is called Hey Fam, and it's about comedy and pop culture, so like comic book movies and comic book TV shows, all that kind of thing. The other one is called The Mitchin, and it's all about the uh, food and bar scene in Sydney. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support, and I'll see you next week. Bye-bye. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.